Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! No fear, no fear, no fear, no fear, no fear here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock. We're doing the show live from uh, uh, northeastern Washington, up on the Columbia River next to the Canadian border, Idaho, up in the corner up there. And um, there's a lot of discussion been going on this summer. What we're doing next is what it really is coming down to. Now, a couple weeks ago, James Corbett and I, from the CorbettReport.com, James and I were talking about these very issues, uh, the philosophy that's coming and what should be promoted and espoused, and he gave me a homework assignment. He goes, Ernie, you need to go read uh, an article that he had done back in 15 or something. And I, I did. I, I read it. I looked at it. I And the title of it was... Let me pull it up here. How to really defeat globalism. Now, this was a, in opposition to the concept globalism versus nationalism. Is there a difference? And in between this regionalism, there's some ism going on. I got your can of ism right here, you know. So uh, James wanted me to, just, you know, get boned up on that. I did, and it led me down some paths, and i like to discuss it this week. But let's go ahead and talk about what it is that the article is about. Globalism, nationalism, regionalism gets in there a little bit. So go ahead and define these terms so we know what we're talking about. Will you, James? All right, sure. So as I hope our uh, your regular listeners will know by now, globalism is this ideology of the ruling oligarchs that essentially we are moving towards some sort of one world system. Now that could be the ultimate final goal of global government. Uh, there's going to be some whatever seat of power in Brussels or wherever it is that's going to be the parliament for the world and make all of the plans for the world. And that is an idea that's been kicking around for quite a while. Well, really for millennia, if you go back and think about every every world-conquering tyrant in history has had the dream of basically bringing the entire world under their thumb. But specifically, post-World War II, there was a lot of talk about creating a global government, a parliament of the world, etc. Um, and so that idea has been kicking around for a while. But I think more so than an actual global government, which of course would be a form of globalism, I think there are other forms of globalism that are defined by the ideology that basically more more power in fewer hands. That's ultimately the ideal here. And of course that works out well for the oligarchs who tend to be in charge of this system, right? Opposed to globalism, 
then, as I assume a lot of people in your audience would be, what is opposed to that ideology? And a lot of people will default to thinking, well, okay, they're trying to erode the nation state system in order to move us into the UN, whatever, global government of the future system. So how do we really counteract that? Well, we better be more nationalistic and more patriotic and worship the flag even harder. That will teach those globalists, I tell ya. And my uh, article that was written in 2015, but I think is absolutely as uh, as pertinent today as it was back then, um, tries to debunk that by pointing out that nationalism was always just a stepping stone towards globalism, essentially. It was a way of getting people to uh, uh, forsake their natural human individual liberties uh, in, the, in the name of collectivism and rallying around a flag so that at some point they could take this national flag that you love and would die for and would you know, bleed for and it's, it defines you and then they can just swap that flag out for another flag, the UN flag, whatever it is. You have been trained into giving over your personal sovereignty to this collective ideal. Well, then we'll just switch your idea of what the collective yeah, ideal is. Here's the new is. flag you got to wave at the parade. Can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, this, this is uh, why I think nationalism is not fundamentally opposed to globalism. Now, of course, when we're talking about the momentum, there's a momentum towards, you know, UN, global institutions, WHO, what have you, then yes, going, trying to protect national sovereignty is going in the other direction of that momentum. But as I say, I don't think it's fundamentally opposed because at base, what is the absolute core bedrock philosophical principle that is at base of what we who are opposed to the collectivist oligarchs, what is, what is our philosophy? It has to be based on individual human autonomy, liberty, right down to the individual. And when we forsake that, when we make compromises on that, well, you've got to have a nation state. That's the, that's the compromise that they play on to basically direct people towards the international globalist system. And uh, there's very specific points of history that I mentioned in this article that we can get into if you want. But at any rate, that's the, uh, the broad overview. The one thing before we get into a lot of discussion, a lot of the highlights that I made um, was regional government, you know, regionalism. You know, there was kind of this segue, you know, a little bit between a national to it's not really global, it's kind of a regional thing, you know. And we contended with that in Arizona in the mid-90s when they were trying to do regional government on a state level, making the county kind of a, its own legislative level or something. And they they brought in the term regional government, regional, regional. I never really understood what the hell are they talking about. You know, go ahead and give me your definition of what do you think regionalism is. Yeah, I think exactly right. So I, I'm talking about the final end goal of globalism would be the global government with the single seat of power in the parliament over the world or whatever it is. But the stepping stone along that path, first you have uh, you have the colonial government or the state government, then you have the nation state government, then you have regional government. And this is somewhere in between that global system versus the national system. And, and that's specifically the momentum um, towards global government that I was talking about in that post-World War II era, where immediately after World War II, they start talking about some form of European Union. Who was talking about it? Specifically, the Bilderbergers were talking about it from the very first meeting of the Bilderberg Group from its inception in the 1950s. They were starting to talk about the uh, the creation of a European Union. Now, 
actually that was that idea was first being floated um by the uh, the the, uh, the the nazis but really the germans at the end of world war ii as they realized we're gonna lose this war but we need to preserve our our power we need to start uh creating institutions that will basically be a european infrastructure that we can have power in and this was the red house report um that i've talked about before it's part of the deep history that feeds into Bilderberg and Prince Bernhard, the, uh, the Nazi, etc., who helped found um, uh, Bilderberg. So there's, there's this pedigree to this idea. But anyway, the, in the 50s, they start talking about it, but they realize, you know, we have a long way to go to get the public to accept this idea of a European Union. So we'll start it out as a, as a trade agreement. And it's, it's just a coal import trade deal between a few countries. And that starts to formalize and coalesce into a greater and more yeah, we gotta get us an office. structure. You bring the UK into it. You start making it more of an institution. Bada bing, bada boom, you have the European Union. And what was it in 2007 or six or whatever it was? What the American Union thing? They, well, they tried to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the EU. And everyone was looking around saying, 50? Is the EU really 50? And they're going, no, remember that cold trade uh, deal that we signed back in the 1950s? That was actually the start of the European Union. Well, you didn't tell us that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, remember, so that's the game. I remember about that time, it was, um, you know, you're a conspiracy nut if you even heard the term trilateral commission or Bilderberg or all that kind of, until it was about that time that they were out celebrating their 40th anniversary. Yep, we've been around. Woohoo! You know, and thanks to all the media that made it possible for us yep. to hoodwink the whatever. And I'm going, and and it's on their webpage, you know, and it's just like you're, you're a conspiracy nut until you're not, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I wanted to bring up North American Union because it was kind of all the rage when you wrote this. And um, mm. I remember that was they were trying to get a North American, how would they call it, the Amero or something, a currency or something. And that's when we started getting involved in legislation in Arizona to make uh, gold, silver, and copper a legal tender and so on, which we were successful in varying degrees. And it was uh, a legislator that came to us, and she said, what can I do as a state legislator? I mean, they're they're just abandoning the dollar. I go, they're going to go to this North American America. No, they're going to go to the world, though, man. I mean, this is – don't ever think that this isn't, you know, they're going to get theirs. So um, I – I wanted to bring up the definition for these so you can see that there's a trend. And the one thing that I, I really was, even in high school, you know, in the 70s, I was enamored with the concepts of uh, Thomas Jefferson because he was unique in where he was like, the nation state is not there to to protect the nation, the nation state, you know, the, the ship of state, you know, we got to protect the Titanic. We don't give a crap about the people, you know, we got, we got to save the ship, you know, so save our ship, you know, save the ship of state. I don't give a crap about the ship of state. What about the people? Well, he was more focused on the people. And the one thing that I wanted to talk about is that, of course, we're focusing, we're making a lot of headway on occupy the land thing. And um, it was the yeoman farmer concept of Thomas Jefferson and uh, expansion on that. Can you talk about that a little bit and maybe I have something to say about it? Right. Absolutely. Well, in order to understand what uh, Jefferson was getting at and why it was so important to him, we have to understand the other the flip side of that that philosophy. So, uh, of course, as I hope your audience is well aware, obviously, Jefferson and the uh, the other 
founding fathers who at least were on the good side of the fight were influenced by uh, John Locke, for example, and the idea of individual liberty, which was starting to burgeon in the in the Anglo world, in the English-speaking world, uh, in the 17th century, coming to fruition in the 18th century with the American Revolution, etc. This is what we fought for. But opposed to that is uh, the fact that there, well, that doesn't that that tradition, that philosophical tradition, doesn't really exist in many other cultures. And uh, an example of how this this other philosophy has fostered in other cultures, I, I turn to Johann Fichte, who, in the wake of Napoleon's crushing defeat of the Prussians at Jena in the early 19th century. And, oh, the French humiliated us. We, we, as the Prussian, as the German, the nascent German state, we have to come together and and make sure this never happens again. And how do we do that? We have to coalesce as a German nation. We are the German-speaking people. We have to get rally around that and start to defend what will become the German state at, at any rate. And so he he's writing about why the love of fatherland must itself govern the state and be the supreme, final, and absolute authority. Its first exercise of this authority will be to limit the state's choice of means to secure its immediate objects, internal peace. To attain this object, the natural freedom of the individual must, of course, be limited in many ways. And that finds expression specifically as Fick goes on to talk about in his address to the German nation that we, we have to essentially do this by means of education, foster this true and all powerful love of fatherland. And it's the Prussian education system specifically. You might have may have heard uh, John Taylor Gatto and others talking about the history of education and how we came to have this schooling system that we have today. And they always talk about the Prussian education system uh, that certainly was transplanted here to Japan. It was transplanted to the United States. This is where it comes from. It was specifically designed to instill this love of fatherland and the erosion of the idea of individual liberty. As opposed to this, you have the John Locke line of thought coming down through Thomas Jefferson and others. And Jefferson is writing about the yeoman farmer, the idea that a a state, a, a, a nation comprised of yeoman farmers would be preferable to a nation comprised of um, bankers and businessmen and people who had been trained in the schooling system, precisely not because uh, he was interested in promoting nationalism, but precisely because he recognized that independent yeoman farmers, people who were capable of working the land, providing for themselves, trading with others around them to get what what, what else they need, those people are more independent and will be less likely to um, to be colonized, essentially, by a national government. He was doing this as a way of getting people to resist government. We need to cultivate the type of person who's going to be self-sufficient, independent, capable of being individual, uh, displaying their individual liberty. So that was what Jefferson was getting at. And he was against the t- types of people who were following the line of Fichte. For example, Benjamin Rush co-signer of the Declaration of Independence, um, who advocated for the creation of public schools for the express purpose of turning children into state-loving automatons. Quote, from the observations that have been made, it is plain that I consider it as possible to convert men into Republican machines. Machines, (laughs) This must be done if we expect them to perform their parts properly in the great machine of the government of the state. So this is not some sort of idle, like philosophical fairy fairyland. This has to do with the most important issues of 
human freedom and how we attain it. And there is a real sharp ideological line between people who are going for individual liberty and people who are opposed to it. And that is the real war that we are fighting, whether we know it or not. I want to make this point. Because whenever they do this, we got to, you know, for the fatherland, the motherland, the whatever land, the collective of, you know, our collective is going to beat their collective, you know, with our collectivism. But the um, uh, to me, it was they had to bring in the argument of, you know, you're going to be more prosperous. Uh, you're going to be more free. It's going to be better. You're going to have more and better stuff and, you know, G.I. Joe with a Kung Fu grip, you know, for Christmas for your kid or something. I mean, they have to, you know, come up with whatever it is that the other side says that they want too: prosperity, freedom, you know, uh, a better housing, better health care, better whatever it is. They'll come and say, oh, this is the way to do it. Well, of course, as freedom-loving individuals and understanding uh, meritocracy and the value of the individual and all that, we're going, eh, it doesn't matter if you're not – here. here's your gold-plated spoon that you get to eat nothing with, you know, because you, you didn't make anything. But the um, – I wanted to read this, you know, from uh, – uh, how do you say it, feet, you know? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say feet. Yeah, feet. F-I-C-H-T-E. Now – There's a quote in here when he was talking about this that you put, the aim of the state is positive law, internal peace and a condition of affairs in which everyone may, everyone may by diligence earn his daily bread and satisfy the needs of his material existence. So long as God permits him to live, all this is only a means, a condition and a framework for what love of fatherland really wants, that the eternal and divine may blossom in a world never cease to become more and more pure, perfect, excellent, blah, blah, blah. You get all this stuff. And then he says, that is why this love of fatherland must itself govern the state and be supreme, final, and absolute authority of blah, blah, blah. Now, yeah. then, of course, you got to mm-hmm. sacrifice your individual liberty. Now, if you look at it, of course, they always, I mean, no matter what ism they come up with, is that the best way for you to be able to maintain your material existence and be able to feed yourself, clothe yourself, not be too hot, too cold, too wet, you know, that kind of thing. You have to do this. And never has the more and more collective that you get, the more and more central plan that you get, the less and less likely you are to get that very thing. They never yeah. address that, you know? Well, they don't realize that, I think. A lot of them don't, anyway. They, they genuinely don't believe it. Okay, a couple of important things to mention here. One, Fichte is clearly writing in the tradition, in the philosophical tradition of Hegel. And Hegel was, I think, a complete wrong turn in philosophical history. Um, and Hegel was uh, uh, a German philosopher writing um, pre-Marx, uh, influenced and inspired Marx. Um, but his idea was that history is progressing. It is a teleological history. It's progressing towards a goal. But unlike, say, the Christian conception of history, it's progressing towards a goal, the, the return of Jesus and the establishment of the kingdom of heaven on earth and all of that. No, 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 no. What What is happening is through a process of dialectic, ideas are coming into war with each other, and that creates some sort of new idea, which is some form of synthesis of those two ideas. And then that idea comes into its opposite and forms a new synthesis and so on and so on and so on throughout history. So history is progressing in this way. And Hegel's idea is it's progressing towards the capital S, state. The state is the supreme manifestation of human history, and we're 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 progressing towards this absolute state. And um, 
And so that's why uh, Marxism is called dialectical materialism. He took Hegel's dialectic, this idea that history is progressing in this way towards this end. And he said, well, get, let's get rid of any sort of the supernatural, you know, God stuff and all of that. It's just about the material conditions of reality. And that's creating these wars. And we're, we're at the stage of the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie. And that's going to lead to Marxism, the perfect utopian communism of the future, right? That was the idea that Marx was on. That's what Fichte is picking up on here, this idea that it is in the service of the state, the fatherland, that we find our true full expression. And that's what we, we as individuals don't really matter. It's what we do for the fatherland that really matters. And that is the conception that has driven so many people. You bring up what I think is the important point of this is even, even if you think in those terms, is it really true? Is it really possible for a nation state to be organized in a way that there's a top-down control that directs every individual of what to do and how to do it in order to serve the state? And the answer is no. Um, but that's not an answer that a lot of people have. I think intuitively we think we see our processes in everyday life and we think, well, there needs to be some central person deciding everything. There needs to be a manager, a boss who yeah. tells everyone what to do. They want to wear the in team jersey. Plan. <laughs> right. But, uh, but no, no, there is a different idea. It's called spontaneous order. And uh, if people are interested in that, they can go back to people like Hayek and others who are, we're talking about in the 20th century. There was Chinese philosophers talking about it 2,500 years ago. It's not a new idea. The Scottish Enlightenment. Yeah, it's not that hard to understand, even for a kid to say, you know, like very simple yeah. things. You, you put yeah. a lot of times when I'm talking to people or, you know, I get call-ins on the radio. I was in Terran Radio in Phoenix and stuff. And I just go, imagine I got my hand on your shoulder and I ask you, whose life is this? Well, most people would say mine. And I go, oh, welcome to freaking freedom. I mean, you know, you're a liberty guy then. And the, the reason the show is called Declare Your Independence was because it, it made it clear that the purpose of government, you know, as Jefferson wrote it and a lot of the, the sentiment of the time and, you know, the Federalist Papers, you know, later on and all this stuff, it was the purpose of government was to defend the rights of the individual and against all enemies, foreign and domestic, you know, kind of thing. The Constitution, which was to protect the rights of the individual, which is why the Bill of Rights were insisted upon, or we're going we're gonna to have another revolution, you know. And it was that sentiment that really caught me, that nowhere have I ever seen any document, certainly creating a government, that the government wasn't the prime directive. The people were the prime directive. And this conversation just keeps getting better. More with James Corbett from CorbettReport.com. We come back in just a little bit. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. 
Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, with more discussion with James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. The purpose of government was to defend the rights of the individual and against all enemies, foreign and domestic, you know, kind of thing. The Constitution, which was to protect the rights of the individual, which is why the Bill of Rights were insisted upon, or we're going we're gonna to have another revolution, you know. And it was that sentiment that really caught me, that... Nowhere have I ever seen any documents, certainly creating a government, that the government wasn't the prime directive. The people were the prime directive. They got to have some influence on it, you know, ideally. You know, then, it, you know, before the ink is dry and it starts to go. But, I mean, you know, ideally how it was sold and how all these other isms try to sell theirs is that they're trying to expand on the idea how much better off you'll be. You'll own nothing and be happy, <laughs> you know, so they're always the happy part comes in, you know, but they didn't promise that in the origination of America. It was more the pursuit of happiness. You are you have your life, your liberty and your pursuit of happiness, whatever that individual pursuit is. It doesn't violate someone else's pursuit. Peace. You know, you go do what you want. But the but they always this was one thing that, uh, you know, with the the, uh, the Prussian school system, this was John Taylor Gatto, you really get a lot of this from, and I encourage people to go uh, look up his work. But it says, um, modern forced schooling started in Prussia in 1819 with a clear vision of what centralized schools could deliver. This was the goal. And it, you know, think of it's not the goal now. Here we go. Obedient soldiers to the army, obedient workers to the mines, well-subordinated civil servants to government, well-subordinated clerks to industry, citizens who thought alike about major issues. This was, you were servants to something else, somebody else, not yourself. <coughs> so I'm looking at this, and, it, and it, it, they go, we got to fix the school system. Fix it. It's fixed the way they want it. You know, they, there's nothing to fix. They just, you know, keep, you know, refining it and they to the point that it's it's not schooling anybody or it's not educating anybody, you know. So it becomes obvious that we have to do something else. Now, when, when you start talking about nationalism, I give it in its, you know, uh, probably most recent form, when you had um, MAGA rise up and, and before Trump started running in 15, you know, Brexit was a big thing. So it was, a, it was starting to pull back from this. There was a, a popular sentiment, Nigel Farage, which was a member of parliament in the European Union from uh, uh, the... Um, uh, Independence Party, UK, you know, uh, KIP, you know, the, the Independence Party in UK or something. Well, what happened was just a few days ago, they shut off all his banking. They go, oh, well, you, you didn't think we forgot about you, did you? You know, so they're just, you know, he doesn't have any financial services. And th there's so much stuff going on that I'm of the opinion that people are starting to realize that they're going to have to be more, um, vocal in what they want and that they are just going to do it 
but they are going to stop them from doing it. You know, this is, you know, they, them, those that won't leave us alone. These guys, they need to have everything. Their target is everything. When they say you'll own nothing, I think they're talking about everything. I mean, you'll own nothing, including land. I'm thinking that this, uh, the land, the resources, the minerals, the, you know, that asteroid's ours too. I mean, you know, this yeah. is this is a full-on, you are just bacteria. And, I'm, and that's why the yeoman farmer idea that Jefferson was talking about was so important because he recognized he that understood. The, the urbanization, the, the trend towards urbanization is a trend toward loss of individual liberty precisely because when you are working the land, when you are on the land, working the land, gaining your sustenance from the land, you have that direct connection. You not only have the independence and self-sufficiency and not just the the, the knowledge, know-how, and spirit of self-sufficiency that comes along with that. But you also have that direct connection to your property. Because let's not forget, the original formulation under Locke was life, liberty, and property. Mm-hmm. And that became life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And property is the important point of this because this is mine. What does that mean? It's very abstract when we're living in some apartment that you rent on a monthly basis that you you don't have any title to anything versus when you are literally working the land. And I think Jefferson recognized and realized that very early. Yeah, my, 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 my. You know, he talks here is um, he considered him the most virtuous virtuous citizen of the republic. I don't even could be of anything. I mean, you know, but the most virtuous yeah. citizen because he was interested in promoting um, uh, nationalism. Uh, it says not because he was interested in promoting nat- nationalism, but precisely because they were the most independent and most likely to resist government. So this is, I, I, I get the feeling that as we start to promote, we have a project that we're um, uh, developing and we're getting closer and closer and closer and it's occupy the You can go start checking stuff out and we'll start uh, interfacing with the audience more on it. But occupy the land is, getting out of the cities. It's being able to be more self-sustaining. We have a large liberty community that are starting to do this already. They're starting to look. And I, you know, the one thing that I wanted to talk with James about today, I I was uh, doing a writing to our uh, telegram groups and some of our forums and so on. I said, look, we're going to start bringing it over back to freedomsphoenix.com. I'm the publisher of and start having our freedom form. That's more internalized. I don't like these other platforms that first thing I want your phone number and your whole pirate network. They want to map out and all this other crap, you know, but, um, uh, the main thing is there's always been for the last few years, we've been traveling the country on the bus and it's been real focus on intentional communities. We need to have an intentional community. We got to come together as intentional communities. And I've never seen that work, not for any amount of time. And it's always, you know, it's a little mini collective, the beat up collectivism or something. And it, it's always they argue over everything. I mean, you know, who broke the tractor and who gets the best land and who paid for and did and kind of and whatever. So I'm, you know, I don't really see that. So I was arguing for unintentional communities to where you have your own property in an area of, you know, whatever, you probably don't even see your neighbors, but man, there's a gathering when it comes 4th of July, which was yesterday here. 
So last night, my grandchildren are up in Washington here where we have friends and supporters that we're visiting. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, some names you know, you know, um, um, here in the area on the Columbia River had the kids out having a great time and at night and the fireworks and all that. And they're playing song, proud to be in the market, where at least I know I'm free. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, you know. But what other experiences would they have of that Run around all day, freedom, blowing off fireworks, going shooting, doing, you know, with friends and family and freedom and praying and everything, and then proud to be in America. Of course, they're going to internalize that a little bit. So I'm just, um, you know, what does that mean? And that indoctrination, how is it used against them later? So these families have to be able to articulate and understand, you know, to the kids that they're on the land and where it was at was a family that does herbs, you know, they, uh, essential oils and so on, big giant fields of, of lavender and all kinds of different herbs and everything that they distill into these essential oils that they use. I, I can't remember what they called it, you know, but it's, um, uh, they're on the land. You know, these kids are totally different than some urban kids, you know, and there's a bunch of kids. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of kids. So it's um, when you say proud to be an American, of course, I'm talking to James Corbett, you know, Canadian living in Japan, you know, but the um, proud to be an American. But you just recently went to Europe. You know, you were at uh, an event in the United Kingdom. Got to travel a little bit. It's been after lockdowns and so on. You're talking around the people. That proud to be an American, does that even mean anything anymore? You probably are asking the wrong person on that. But uh, yes, I mean, okay, it does. It obviously still resonates with people, which is why when Bud Light falls face first into the the craziness of the past (laughs) few months, the first thing they do is try to wrap themselves in the American flag. We're more American than anything. And here's some horses and cowboys and American flag and rah, rah, drink our beer again. So there's clearly still that pull in the cultural zeitgeist but the question is what does it really mean and you raised the interesting an interesting point there that i need to tease out a little bit more because you raise the idea of unintentional community to my mind that's what we live in right now we live in an unintentional community it's a community but we sure didn't choose our neighbors or think about or most people didn't choose our neighbors think about where we're, you know is this the right place that was kind of intentional by zoning in the man i guarantee that yeah exactly <laughs> I, yeah Unintentional by us, maybe intentional by others, right? Um, so yes, there is something to to that concept. But um, to to my mind, any any step in the right direction requires conscious intention, requires us to be mindful of, to be aware of even the issues that are involved, so that we can make conscious decisions to take steps in the right direction. Why do I say that? Because let's head off the people who are going to make the easy criticism of, oh, you know, James, uh, you're being an idiot. Of course, nationalism is against globalism because they're trying to... Okay, I get the practicality of it. As I say, I understand that since the momentum is all towards the regional global government, then nationalism is in the opposite direction of that momentum. I get that. And so, yes, as a... you know, No, I understand your point. This was made um, by a presentation at the Libertarian National Convention like a decade ago. Um, a uh, Well, a, a gay escort sex worker, star child, I mean, you know, of all people. But he, he understood, he's going, look, this nationalism is not any better 
This nationalism is just the same ritual. It's the same neurons. It's the same mindset. It's the same. You're you're giving your allegiance to something or a collective or tell you what to do. You know, up higher on the food chain or something. I mean, you're you're not practicing volunteerism or or anarchy or, or self determination. Or I guess self determination is the the best word. It's not self determination when you're not self determining. And when I say, you know, declare your independence with Ernest Hancock, one of one of my, you know, really aha moments is early on when I first started doing the radio show back in 03, a caller goes, um, do I have to declare my independence with you? <laughs> and I go, no, you don't. You, I declare my independence. See how easy it was? You don't even need a government form. I mean, you know. So that mindset, just being triggered that way to think that way is the win. Yeah. You know, it's about the mindset because, yes, you can have that sort of, okay, well, you know, nationalism is against the globalist idea, but but really, I'm I'm for individual human liberty. It's just sort of, you know, in the world that we're living in, we have to make certain. But if it's not motivated from that fundamental understanding of my my self-determination, my human individual autonomy, then you will get tricked into ultimately supporting bigger agendas, making compromises, starting to go against your own vision. And no better example than that, I I would say, than something like the MAGA movement, where I saw people, even conspiracy realists, lose their mind for a few years. Oh, you know, you don't Just get follow it. the plan. It's going to end all of this and blah, blah, blah. And then coming t- t- tail tucked between their legs a few years later. Well, you might have been right about that, James. But now, now it's whatever, RFK or whoever the next political savior is going to be you will get caught up in that game if you do not come from the intentional mindset and that's why intentional community i'm not willing to forego that that concept yet i agree that there uh, first of all i i agree that it almost never works out like you're you're not going to find the intentional community that survives and thrives for generations or even decades um but at any rate uh, I, I don't think it has to be that that sort of intentional community where people literally purchase a communally a plot of land and they all live together on that plot of land uh, that's you know you you are definitely going to involve that's going to bring problems at some point but the idea i think something like the free state pro free state project idea um, not not their political aspirations, not the specific thing that's going on in New Hampshire, but just that idea of people of a like mind living in the same general area. And that doesn't mean that you necessarily, again, have to all live on the same plot right. of land, but just having in your area that's, that sort of common understanding, the common goal, the, at least the idea that human liberty is important and worth preserving would be a nice thing to have. And the more that we can make that happen in the real world, I think the better we can actually preserve our liberty. I have talked to a lot. Of, I always have three questions. What do I have to do in your community of whatever? What's required of me? Give me money is usually the first thing. But, you know, it, it's, what do I have to do? The second thing is what am I prevented from doing? Oh, you can't do that, whatever it is. And what's your conflict resolution? Well, I say that's not, you know, in the bylaws of whatever the heck. I mean, how are you going to decide? And it becomes more and more important to know that the closer and closer and more overlapped interest of tight-nipped of intentional community you got. Now, the Free State Project, what James is referring to is um, years ago in the mid-2000s, they made a – that's a long story, but – 
they moved to New Hampshire. You know, a lot of people, they said the Free State Project, we're going to have a, you know, live free or die state. It's going to be a relatively small state where a lot of anarchist, libertarian, freedom, liberty community, volunteerist people can move to and have a community and influence on their local governments. Well, it worked. I mean, they're they're doing it. You know, they, them, those don't like it, but, you know, I mean, they're having an impact. But to the degree, to the degree that they are individuals, that they're in an unintentional community. They're a community. They're a liberty community, but it's not overlapped on each other. I mean, a lot of people live different, you know, farm workers will stay there. Or some people moving to the state will stay with free staters, and they'll go on to get their own. So there's a lot of overlap and support, but it's not common property. That is not, you know, that, so it makes it a lot more robust and resilient to change. So when the lockdown comes in, the pandemic, and what do they do? They start buying pigs, cows, horses, whatever the heck, you know, and they start be a farming, you know, for sure. So this, but well, they had here's land. the real question. What did they do in actuality? Because uh, from um, my recollection, uh, there was no official even condemnation of lockdowns or the concept of it from... The official uppity up. You know that was. Of- you know you are correct. There was there was some um, schism inside. You know some people. Oh no, vaccines are science and this and that whatever. But you know the people that weren't. Um, uh, there there's a a phrase that we, it's called Steiger's law from Arizona. It's a long story, but it goes like this: Whenever you create an organization around a movement or a cause, sooner or later the organization becomes more important than the reason you created it. Every freaking time. I've been doing this for 35 years. And I'm telling you, you create an organization, that becomes the goal as opposed to whatever you did it for. So, but it was individuals, enough individuals that were prosperous, that were, in, you know, uh, diligent, that were, you know, knowledgeable to be able to sustain themselves and their neighbors and friends and set an example for other people that they're going to be fine. Was it the organization that did it? No, it was the unintentional community that was created by these type of mindset people that went there supporting each other. It wasn't, you know, the official free state of we're going to whatever and dole out and our help program for indigent, whatever the heck. That didn't happen, which was never really intended to anyway. It's the people that did it. And this is why I have more um, support for an unintentional community. It will it will evolve on its own. Be an add to your community, not a subtraction. Because a, a bunch of povertarians, you know, looking for a couch to surf on while they're going around saying how anarchist they are, you know, aren't an add. <laughs> but yeah. you know, no, exactly. You yeah. know, there are a lot that are. Now, it's an important thing to keep in mind is that people are. Uh, if you go into it simply looking for what do I get out of this, then is that the basis for community? Are you really going to have a community if that if that is the basis? No, it has to be what can I provide as well as what do I get out of it? And there has to be a balance between You know, elements. this is one thing I you know, we haven't talked about this. I want I really want to do some more research on on this. Um we've advocated for it before in articles and letters of Captain Mark and Reprisal on pirateswithoutborders.com our site. And it uh, scuttlebutt. It's a. It's like a reputation score for individuals for liberty. It, it, it's a, um, a social credit score, but privately by individuals, by community members, which happens anyway on all social media, Facebook of we don't like and ex girlfriends want to say how bad you are or something, whatever. But the point is, is that any community like this, it all, always suffers the fools. 
and the provocateurs and the trolls and the government agents. You know, there's always that guy or gal that comes in, causes a ruckus. And if you can identify them, if you know who they are, you know, and you say, you definitely don't want that person involved in, and because they're the first one to show up, they definitely want to help you with your computer system, you know. And um, the last to leave, and they want to be involved, and they vote themselves into, you know, I'm in charge of the whatever, and then mm-hmm. it goes to crap. Yeah. You know, every time. Right. So, so I'm, I'm. what do you think yeah. of that? I mean, you know, it's, uh, people would be averse to yeah. a database. No, it's a very good point. It's a very good question. And in a way, it's kind of the the big societal issue writ small of um, when you create these giant positions of power that uh, are, you know, where you have um, power and jurisdiction over an entire nation or what have you, who is going to be attracted to that? It's the psychopaths. It's the scum. It's the people you don't want to be in those positions. Um, So if we recreate that in a smaller scale and in some intentional or unintentional community at a, at a local scale, and we put these positions of power in there, that there's somebody who gets to write the rules and dictate this and be in charge of that, then who do you think is going to be attracted to those positions? It is, right. it is only through a system where there, there is no centralized positions of power that you can really limit the damage that people can do. People can always do damage to others. That is part of humanity. So that will be part of the expression of human liberty. But if we can limit that by not giving these psychopaths and and and, and treasonous people positions of power over others, that would be a good start, wouldn't it? And they're I, always I going to seek it. You create it. Um, they're they're showing the, up. Are we on delay? Did you they're, catch that? They, uh, I I don't know. I'm just trying to process it. Well, they're showing up. Well, I mean, oh, if you right. if, if you create a, a sh- if you create a shiny badge, yeah. you know who's going to kill, lie, steal, cheat to get it. Yeah. You know the people. Yeah. You know we're the victims of our own goodness. You know they're, they're not they're not yeah. limited by you know ethics. They're going to come in and you know they'll beat the living crap out and freaking lie, cheat, steal, election fraud, whatever the hell they got to do. I have the right. shiny badge. I'm in charge of the trillion dollar budget now. You know. So, yeah. So what's the real resilience? The real resilience, once again, is the actual intention, the conscious understanding of what the real problem is and how and what my role in the world is. I am not subject to someone's presumed authority simply because they have a hat or a badge. And what is, how do people wrap their mind around this? It was uh, Frank Russell's um, story, and then there were none, which I covered on my, on on the Corbett Report a few years ago. Uh, there's even a reading of it that people can listen to if they don't want to read the story. It's, it's just a short story, but anyway, um, I suggest they do so. The idea is, and what if you really had, in this case, it's science fiction, so it's an entire planet, but anyway, a community of people who literally will not, not accept the idea that they can be governed, will not listen to any outside authority telling them what to do simply because they're some sort of authority. They will do things for other people if they want to, but not if they don't. And how do you go in and conquer that planet or that community? And what does it mean to conquer a people like that that will not respond to orders? That's why the intention is the most important part of this. The people's conscious understanding of what human liberty is and how it functions. Everything else on that is icing on the cake. But if you don't have that core, then you don't have a community that will be able to resist those psychopaths. You know, one thing that I, I, I you said intention, you know, that's one thing that I've seen in my experience. Once you realize their intention, 
You know, they're, you know, mm. God, what's their, what are they trying to do? They're going to do it. You know, if they can, they are. And, um, you know, so what do you think they're, they, them, those won't leave us alone. These different groups of consolidated of, we got a bug for you to eat. You know, what is their intention? I mean, can you sum it up? Well, are you not entertained and informed with great guests like James Corbett of CorbettReport.com? CorbettReport.com has many great documentaries on lots of important subjects, and he's very, very well known in the Liberty community. I really encourage you to check him out. After we finish the final segment with James Corbett at the top of the hour, at the bottom of the hour, we'll be introducing you to one of my good friends, Dr. Frank Tambury, that we've been doing a show for over eight years covering politics, culture, and uh, world news. So you stay right there. There's going to be, you're, you're getting a dose. You're going to get up to speed on a lot of the things that are going on around the world from a fresh perspective, from a voluntarist that just, I'll leave me aloneist. Are you a leave me aloneist? I think you are. We'll be right back. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us, but if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not afraid! No fear here on Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, here on the Free Talk Live Network. We're finishing up our conversation, the final segment, with James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. When we get done with that, I'll introduce you to a good friend, Dr. Frank Tambury, and you're going to get learnified on a bunch of stuff. Well, you guys stay tuned right there. We'll get right to it right 
Now, so what do you think they're they them those won't leave us alone? These different groups of consolidated of we got a bug for you to eat. You know, what is their intention? I mean, can you sum it up? Well, look, I can't see into the hearts and minds of others, so I can only speculate as to this the secret inner workings of people's minds and thoughts. But we can look at what is demonstrably on the record as to what they're doing to understand what it is they're trying to accomplish. And in each and every case, no matter what aspect of this overall agenda you're talking about, it is always towards the centralization of more and more power in fewer and fewer hands. So let's just look at the craziness of the past few years, the rise of the biosecurity state, and what is being offered as the solution to this. It's the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization needs more power to basically inflict its uh, its particular medical treatments on the world over in the event of the next scamdemic. And so how are they going to do this? Oh, of course, the WHO treaty, etc. That is why it, it it's fundamentally, as, as you say, it's about the intention. Because if we know their intention is always and in every case to take more and more power into their fewer and fewer hands, then we know that every single problem that comes along is just going to be through whatever mental gymnastics they have to apply is going to be the the justification for more and more power being centralized into fewer and fewer hands wow who would have thought (laughs) the answer to 9-11 was to give the cia and fbi and the homeland security state even more power and money the answer to the scamdemic is to give the who more power and money that's what they will always do and once we see that game then we cannot be we hopefully will not be fooled by the event of the next emergency crisis, oh, we better give them more money and power. No, All that's right. clearly what's leading us in the wrong direction. But only if we see their intentions and what they're trying to do. Here. Well, let's go. Let's go ahead and discuss that for a second. The arguments that we would make against whatever the heck they were doing. We're going to go to war. This that'll fix it. We killed just five thousand terrorists. We're done. You know, like that. Not going to create five hundred thousand pissed off people. But the um, we. We understand this. We can articulate it. Even in my lifetime, I've gone through, you know, freaking OPEC boycott uh, embargoes. Uh, uh, we had Iran Contra. We got uh, Ruby Ridge, Waco, Oklahoma City bombing, nine eleven. You know, the the tarp and the financial crash and eight and the ones going now and yada. I mean, you know, oh my God, you know, plus war, 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 war. So this has been. I feel so manipulated, indoctrinated, and you know this. This, uh, and, and of course, they use movies, entertainment industry, magazines, comic books, school. You know that you know ABC, NBC, CBS. You know during the eighties, and all you would see is the same five stories in the same order from each of the. I mean, oh my God! It, I, I get it. So as they're doing this again. Do we really have the value of pointing out, no, they're thinking wrong. No, they're doing it wrong. No, they're lying. No, they're, as opposed to just emphasizing, you know, the support of the concept of freedom of the individual. No, we're not going to take mandates. No, we're not going to lock down. No, we're not going to. It's just noncompliance. And then kind of all that other information kind of comes out of it. I'm wondering if, if the tip of the spear, if the influencers were just to influence not complying just out of principle, I don't even got to tell you why, because there's a whole bunch of Corbett Report videos to tell you the backstory, yeah. you know, over here. I'm just really, are we, I'm just, I'm looking for yeah. noncompliance. Well, do you think that would be psychologically effective? I don't On know. On some people, sure. But on the general population, probably not. Here's so 
in in terms of the practical question of what we should be advocating and how, well, I'm not going to ever tell anyone how to do what, right. you know, do whatever you feel is is going to work. But um, let's let's make this observation. H.L. Mencken, a century ago, the whole aim of practical politics is to keep the populace alarmed and hence clamorous to be led to safety by menacing it with an endless series of hobgoblins, all of them imaginary. That's that's the game plan yeah. to keep people in per, 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 perpetual crisis mode, emergency after emergency. Oh my God, it's the terrorists! Oh my God, it's the virus! Oh my God, it's whatever they come up with next. Um, oh, I know next. Order, What's so, next? Oh my God! Well, how will we live? How will we live if if the government isn't there to protect us? The, so I think the real way that we address this is the Thomas Jefferson idea of inculcating that yeoman farmer mindset. It is about self-sufficiency and independence to the point that you don't care See, what they are menacing you with. Oh, no. And oh, that's my point. going to come get us. Well, we can take care of ourselves. We don't need your non-safety security. Well, that's kind of my point. I mean, if we were to focus on that, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering if my uh, advocacy for occupying the land, and we're making a big effort. I mean, here we go. Okay, this is you know, I've done a lot of these projects, and we've you know over the years and decades, and had a lot of influence on you know a lot of stuff. But um, this one is it because you know that's what I want. You know, it's what I see. It's uh, you know for my family and my children and grandchildren that I don't want them to fight this battle. They can't even have it in the land. You know, what I mean, it's just you know I'm going. Yeah, or is it, or is it, you know, I'm, I'm seeing it as a real solution for, uh, pretty much it's whatever they, them, those want, you know, you got to go the opposite. I mean, gosh, you know, they, they're really coming after us. So, um, if I was to advocate for that, it just be more self-sustaining, you know, be, be more insulated from, you know, the central plans of be more, be more, be more. And as I go rule in the last few years, we took time to go a lot more rural. We didn't hit the big cities. We went to the small towns and ranching and farming and logging and mining communities in opposition to vaccine mandates and lockdowns and all that kind of stuff in the low bus Liberty tour. Now, the one thing that I really got from the, the ones that were closer to the land, the yeoman farmer and the ones that lived off the land, the ones that got grounded, they actually had their knees and hands in the dirt or something. You know, there was a, something totally different about them. They were less fearful, didn't care, saw it as a bunch of dumb peasants. Of We don't even want to, you know, uh, uh, chastise them because we don't care. You know, we're not involved in that. Let's know how it works out. And then they would start to sustain themselves with the diversity and variety of things that they made. All of a sudden, they're educating their own kids more. Yeah, if they weren't already, they're starting yeah. to make their own home hygiene products. They're canning their own food. They're growing more diverse products that they wanted to make sure they had. 3D printing starts to come. Desktop publishing, little mills and lays. Of, I mean, oh my god! Exactly. You yeah, know, yeah, it, yeah. It, we got it, man. We're good. Yeah. Okay, I got. Yeah, no. let's put this in the 21st century context. Yeah. This isn't about being an 18th century peasant farmer necessarily. It's about using all of this. All of the, the, Heck, the fruits yeah. of all of this technological innovation for self-sufficiency rather than for dependence. I, I'm starting to see that this is going to be my focus. We're up here talking to sponsors and supporters and people. We make it up here every summer to kind of get reconnected. And um, it is I, – I don't think that everybody had seen it as clearly as I did, but it's becoming more and more obvious that 
our own self-sufficiency is what's going to save us. If we don't, if we can't, then you're dependent. You're looking for, you know, your bottled water at the next uh, stadium during the next crisis of whatever the hell with your government cheese. I, you know, this is, and then I want my, oh yeah, I'll, I'll trade in my uh, dollars for purple script digital money of I have to spend within a month that they gave me my universal basic or whatever with the, you know, oh, and I get a robot to, you know, take care of my and watch me and control me and knife me. I mean, this is, it's becoming so obvious that if we don't stand up and be what a lot of cultures consider a human being, the goal was to be fully human, to maximize your capability to yourself and your family and your community, be an ad. That was the goal. Not what your bank account was, they take away anyway. You know, it is to be a human being. And I'm going, I'm... I wish to be more of a human being. I wish my children, my grandchildren, or my friends, family, that we can be more human beings. And when we come to these rural communities and you go to the, the weekend party, barn, dance, 4th of July, sing and firework and have good time, everybody kind of whatever, and oh my God, somebody prays. I mean, this has been, um, this is a solution. And this is what America, you know, kind of, meant to me as a kid and i could see it being you know stripped away intentionally and that's a good question for james and all your research documentaries and things that you've done it seems like america is the one under attack you know blah 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 we may be funding it you know we may be you know imperial war of they got us to do whatever the heck but what really was under attack was our middle class was the people they'll take away their resources thanks for uh, y'all in now well it's all ours now thanks for playing you know so i get the impression that it's america that is under attack and i just want to get your impression of that i think in a sense you're right but we have to be careful about we and America and how we define these terms, because essentially what we are living through is what I think has always existed. There isn't uh, there is an oligarchy that exists that is not it, it doesn't conform to our nation state understanding. It's about the financiers and the people who really control the system from the bottom up. And they are the parasites that invade and occupy certain hosts in different eras. So, for example, during the time of the British Empire, you better believe the parasite was infesting the city of London. And in the time of the American Empire, you better believe it is infesting Washington. But uh, part of the life cycle of the parasite is that it goes in, it invades, it, con- it conquers the host in, in the sense of, uh, you know, there are certain uh, parasites that can invade a host and then start to direct its, in, you know, the way that it acts and right. functions in order to basically feed the, the parasite. Um, that's, what's, that's what's happening. Um, but as, as soon it will expend that host and it will it will create all this problem and then when the host is attacked and dies and breaks open the parasite flees to wherever the next the next convenient host is and so i think we have to see it in those terms america the the united states of america no the geographical landmass of that we know of as america is being used as a host for the parasite oligarchs uh-huh. and uh, it, and part of their plan is to ultimately crash that against the system in order to create this bigger global regional governmental push and they can't have that until america uh, the the old version of America that you have in your head until that is defeated, they can't have that the, their new system. So right. yes, part of the plan is to destroy this, and that's because it isn't America or Americans that are in charge of this. It is an oligarchy 
that does not care about your conception of America. You know, this is one thing for people to understand. You look at uh, the stock market keeps going up. Why? Uh, silver and gold is still suppressed. Why? You know, and you you sit there and you see, well, they're just pumping money into, you know, BlackRock, Vanguard, whatever, straight from the Federal Reserve to go buy stuff. I mean, you know, it's just yeah. you'll own nothing. And they'll have it, you know, <laughs> this is, it's so obvious what's happening, but we, you know, just been asleep at the wheel. You know, we just pay our, into our 401k IRA, whatever the hell. And, you know, when it's time to get in, it's gone, you know? So this is a lot of, um, even in the nineties, you know, a lot of good, you know, Liberty community, libertarian friends of mine just liquidated everything, took the tax hit and bought silver when it was three to $6. You know, so eh, I'll just sit on it and we'll see what's up. So it hasn't really been more than a wealth retention. uh, uh, You're beating inflation. If you, you know, played the stock market and you got out in the right time, you probably did well. But um, it really has just been a peace of mind. They just wanted to keep what they had. They had, you know, a plan. And I'm I I, I don't know what the best thing is because we're so manipulated all the time. You know, it's not it's not functioning rationally. So when you get yeah. land and you take care of yourself and you're self-sustaining, that's the real investment. The investment in your children's education, into their minds, into their Yankee ingenuity, freaking get her done kind of thing, and be of good character. By the content of their character, will they be judged and be supported? So this is, you know, what's important, and they're trying to – with. Tech, big tech, and social media, and blue faced kids running around—they're roadkill. I, you know, this is—they're not going to make it. And some of them will, you know, rise up, and the rest of them will just be protesting in the streets, want their next handout. You know, so I'm—I'm yeah. yeah. I'm really encouraged by the things that I see happening for people of. I don't want to say the right mind, the correct, you know, the survival mind. I mean, I think they're going to make it, not be roadkill. But um, I think there's going to be blood. I think there's going to be, you know, there's there's going to be unrest. You know, what? before you go, I'd like yeah. to have you just comment on the news of what's going on in France now and around the world and things are starting mm. to fall apart. Um, it's coming to America. Yeah. You know what I mean? What do you think? Oh, I don't know, but wouldn't you say it's already there to a large extent? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of uh, craziness that's going on in some of the cities in San Francisco the and cities. places like that, but um, in Chicago, what have you. If you take in, in the out cities, the cities and their homicide rates and gun violence and all that, the major democratically run mm-hmm. cities, it's almost zero. I mean, you know, violence in America mm-hmm. is, if you, did, you take these cities that run into the ground yeah. out of the equation, America's fine. You know, right. it's the people. But then you still have the opium epidemic that's uh, infecting rural areas and other. Oh, places they're coming for us. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's there's problems, but um, and and they are around the world. But as I say, I think it's part of the plan. Again, they cannot create a new system except from the ashes of the old. So they have to get rid of the old first. They have to crash it up. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the destruction of the prevailing post World War II order. And it's, you know, in a sense, hey, I mean, isn't this what we want? We do want to change from the direction we've been going in. But in what direction is it is is that going to go in? Who's going to get to steer the wreck once it's, uh, you know, once it's been smashed? Does it so need to be? That's the real question. I think maybe we can talk about that next time. Yeah, there's a, you know, I, I think next time maybe we look at 
well, we'll talk about whatever's in the freaking news at the time, two weeks from now. But um, there's a lot of secession talk everywhere. You know, counties in California, mm-hmm. parts yeah. of Washington, Oregon, yeah. you know, the states of yeah. New Hampshire, Vermont. I mean, for various different reasons, this isn't working. We want out. Sure. Can we do that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It was called Grant versus Lee. They, they you know, mm. think they decided it for you. But um, this has been a good conversation. I'm glad we brought this up because my whole thing has been that the purpose of government is the defense of the individual rights. I mean, if it doesn't do that, then what the hell is it there for? You know, and can you have a government yeah. that would maintain yeah. that ideology? Is it even possible? Uh, and not yet. I mean, you know, not not so far. But um, I, I see the more rule and more separate you are and more outside and the smaller government is, the more freedom you have, the more prosperity you have, the more happiness you have. That pursuit of happiness thing is in direct relation to how much government you got to deal with. You know, and you don't have a permission slip mentality or got to get, you know, uh, uh, permits and, you know, permissions and everything from all these bureaucrats and so on. You just make most with what you have. And it's awesome. America became powerful for a reason. You go on either side of the border, certainly you go down to Mexico to the degree that the individual's property and rights are protected is directly related to the degree of prosperity they have. Boom, end of story. So where are we trending? Not well, you know, and I encourage you, CorbettReport.com, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, Report.com, many documentaries there is famous and infamous with all the bad guys that's good you're in good company but the uh has a lot of information that i know we'll be highlighting in the shows in the future but thanks james for having this conversation with me i really appreciate it man thanks for having me on all right peace brother bye take care another great conversation with james corbett of corbettreport.com i will spend time in the future on many of his documentaries that you need to go watch. You want to get up to speed? I tell you, I do this with a lot of friends and family and audience members and readers of our site, freedomsphoenix.com, freedom with an S, phoenix.com, that we started back in 2005. I started doing radio in 2003 in the Phoenix area, and February of 2003, before the land invasion in Iraq. And I've been a libertarian activist for God, since the early 90s, I came across the truth as a young man, 28 and 88. And my family and I just got, you know, exposed to a bunch of corruption. And we'll talk about that in the future, I'm sure. But the um, the activism that we did really got us straight up against the evil that is, surrounds us. And it is evil. You know, I, they try to tell you there isn't evil, there's evil. And... These people, they lack any empathy. They have no sympathy. They're sociopaths, psychopaths, and power attracts these sorts. And there's a lot of experiences that we have that I'm sure over the years we'll uh, share with you. But you can find a lot of our perspective on freedomsphoenix.com that's been around, God, since 05. So we've covered a lot of things. We do a lot of activism. A lot of people around the country and world know who I am from the Ron Paul Revolution. The 
Ron Paul Revolution logo, those of you are familiar with it, uh, Revolution has love spelled uh, in reverse in there. That logo we created and popularized the spontaneous order around the uh, rhetoric and liberty stance of Ron Paul. But it was just an example of the spontaneous order of the people. Now, since then, we've seen it several times before in Brexit, in MAGA, and support for Donald Trump, and it's the opposition to this this globalization of control for the future. And I have four children and 12 grandkids, so I'm in for the long haul. Now, we have a lot of programs that we're starting, that we're doing, that we're working on, and the uh, newest one in development now is OccupyTheLand.org. Now, we just started that. I haven't even finished the webpage yet, but OccupyTheLand.org. You can go start checking it out and see what's up. Now, I'm going to introduce you to Dr. Frank Tempury. That was a big Ron Paul supporter, but he wanted to come on eight years ago in the summer of 15 because Donald Trump went down the escalator. Well, what shall we talk about? Well, you'll find out. Enjoy. We'll be right back. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Telling me. I got to beware. I think it's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody, look what's going down. There's battle lines being drawn. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Welcome back to Declare Your Independence with me, Ernest Hancock, on the Free Talk Live Network. What we're going to do is I'm introducing you to Dr. Frank Tambury. Now, the first this first segment is going to be mostly me, you know, kind of laying out what we're going to be talking about and getting you up to speed on some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. But um, once you turn Frank on in the following segments, it's all Frank. <laughs> and you'll get uh, a, a good dose of the news and lots. And there's... So much in this episode that we are not going to be able to get it into how I'm going to edit this. I have no idea, but all of it's just really good stuff. And you go to freedomsphoenix.com. At the top right of the site, you'll see Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. And that'll take you to the show archive page, and you can select the full show there. Now, um, I'm going to do my best to give you a really good essence of the things that we cover and what we see is coming and the perspective of Dr. Frank. So go ahead and just relax and here we go. When you're always afraid Step out of line The man come and take you away Dr. Frank Tambury, Trump report, Trump report, Trump report, which is I don't know how often do we even talk about Trump. You know, this is a you know interesting conversation. It's you know, Fourth of July has started, you know, and go, come and gone. Uh, grandkids have been up here. They're uh, uh, Rhea, my oldest uh, daughter, and my youngest 
child, daughter, Sierra, and they had uh, two kids each. You got uh, two sons, Sierra, and a boy and a girl. They're all about, yeah, the same age. The youngest, Leo's like uh, three, and uh, we have um, up to 11 years old. And this is 4th of July up in the woods, small town, hot dogs and fireworks and you know, they just having a great time doing a lot of lake and river and super vacations. And my oldest daughter took on, you know, they were inspired by Don and I traveling the country in the love bus. They got a really nice top of the line, big fifth wheel and an F-350 to pull it around. And they are just touring the country. They get a dose of man. You get a you know nine, 11 year old out that perfect time for that. I mean, they actually like listen to you sometimes, but you know, this has been a lot of fun, but it gives you a fresh perspective in a small community, rural ranchers, farmers on the land people that, um, with their, you know, big families of having, you know, 10 kids and so on. And it's been, um, America. And when they were doing the fireworks, they had music at a boom box, you know, in the background playing somebody had, and you got dozens of kids and people watching fireworks. They spent like thousand bucks on fireworks and just, you know, go to the local firework place and put on a show. Well, what happened is they're playing proud to be in market where at least I know I'm free. Now, as a kid and you're getting you know, you, you get that feeling you're, 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 you don't know really what's going on. You don't know that we're, you know, on the edge of thermonuclear war with Russia, which we just had. I think it was Lindsey Graham. I was going to play it, uh, but, uh, you know, Microsoft's update. So that's why we're starting late is, oh, my God. You know, it has been a thing, you know, with uh, um, Microsoft updates. I, I, that's why we went on the bus, the whole studio, we went Linux because of this very reason. It's just been a pain in the butt. So, you know that more than they're just downloading, they're uploading all your data. And, oh, what have you been doing for the past month, Ernie? You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, no, they wouldn't do that. That'd be wrong, you know. But the um, uh, to have the information that is adults that we know, and how much do you share with kids? You know, probably, you know, not much, but you – want to make sure they got the skills and the perspective to be able to survive the world that may be a coming here directly. And, you know, I'm, of course, at blah, 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 it's going to turn into a food thing. But the uh, why and what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, what they came out, two congressmen come out and they say, or Senator, what is Lindsey Graham? He's a congressman or a senator? Senator Graham, I think they're senators. And they came out and they said, if... Russia uses any kind of a nuclear device, tactical, you know, blow up a reactor, does something in Ukraine, you trigger war with NATO. If your tanks come into Poland, trigger war with NATO. NATO. If you, if you, if you, if you, and we're going to have war with NATO, with NATO, 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 Russia, NATO. And I'm going, you know, and we've been building up for the past week or so that, you know, Ah, there's some like explosive devices going on the cooling towers of the nuclear power plants. So they're doing it. I believe they're setting up a false flag and they're going to set up some kind of triggers that they'll get them involved in this thing. And then they're going to do it. 
you know, because they, they need to, they have to do it because the finances is going to go. The economy is going to take a dump. They need to go to central bank digital currencies. By the end of the month, uh, July, they're already going to have central bank digital currency as exchange between banks. And from there, it'll go to retail. Here it comes. So everything that we've been talking about, you know, uh, on Freedom's Phoenix, on Declare Your Independence, on this show is, you know, here we go. And then amongst all that is all the cultural stuff that from outside and within, you know, eating out the substance of America. So we'll get into that, too. So I'm just and and then we have a lot of, you know, the, the bombs at the movies. They're just nothing's doing nothing except here comes two things. One, Indiana Jones sucks so much that Sound of Freedom about child trafficking outdid him in the box office which is a Christian thing. I just saw got a, uh, a communication that Sounds of Freedom, they're making it available to watch online in some way. I didn't even look at it. I didn't have time to look and see how to do that because we're up in northeastern Washington. You got to go freaking, you know, two hours, you know, hundreds of miles to go see it. And we'll see how that goes because we definitely want to see it. Also, uh, Tom Cruise unwoke uh, whatever Mission Impossible thing. It's going to be blockbusters, just like, you know, last summer when they did, uh, it was a year ago we were up here, uh, our host and I, a friend, we went to um, see Top Gun, Maverick, and that was refreshingly, you know, not in-your-face, liberal, tram, whatever the hell, you know, and I'm just like, it shows that people will go to the movies if you're there to entertain them, wow them, you know, and I don't need that many special effects. I mean, seriously, give me a good movie. So there's something going on. And what's happened doing the Trump report with Dr. Frank Tambury, a good friend in Arizona, we have been pretty much track on all of this stuff behind the scenes, the psyops, the false flag, the you know narrative coming out of Washington, BS, and the attack on any dissent. If you showed up at January 6th, you got hundreds and hundreds of people being tortured in jail right now. You got they're going to go after Trump. They want to get some. I don't know what the heck they're uh, going to wind up getting them on. But if he's on the ballot. I think Trump's going to win, and they know it. So they have to stop him. Well, then who's going to replace? They sure as hell don't want uh, RFK Jr. coming up calling BS on pharma. Hell no. Pharma runs the planet, you know, along with big energy and big government. Big, big, big want to explain it to you. So this is really, you know, an interesting time. Now, something I don't think Frank knows before we get Frank on here, I got to give you some update. You ready, Frank? Yeah, can't wait. All right, this is what's going on. Free Talk Live with the Crypto Six, they went after uh, Free Talk Live, LRN owners, all the, you know, Ian Freeman and a few others, his co host, Aria, and everything. They're, they, Aria just went into jail last Tuesday. Well, and, and, and by the way, by the way, just for the audience, for new, newcomers, Freedom's Phoenix was hosted through. Uh, free talk live years ago so we were part of that yeah what do you mean hosted well what well, well, didn't we i thought we were broadcast through them before no we do on lrn they're now no we still are 
We're on you oh, know, okay. the LRN.FM network and Liberty Talk and, you know, some pirate stations and some other affiliates. So I, I don't know, man. It, it's out there. But we're on a couple of networks, of which one of those is LRN. So gotcha. um, And then, of course, we have our own stuff. But the um, what happened is uh, Free Talk Live is, you know, seven days a week, you know, nine to midnight Eastern time. They – you know, seven days a week. Now they're so embroiled in this that they're starting to, you know, pull back and, um, but they didn't want to give up their time. So what they did is they asked if I would do, you know, at least one day. I didn't want to, you know, I mean, God, man, I got enough to do. But, um, so what we decided is that this coming Monday, we start broadcasting on at least 25 to 50 affiliates and we'll be on the Genesis network and uh, declare your independence is, you know, going on some Terran uh, stations. So they're going to get a dose of Frank, you know, and um, we'll see where that goes and how that, I don't want to get too much of a time commitment on this because we've got to occupy the land that's coming. A lot of you guys go check out. We're starting to put the pieces together on OccupyTheLand.org. This is going to – we've been working on our funding, our um, uh, the technology, getting everything ready. To avoid exactly what happened today, we uh, did the whole studio that we have set up on the Love Bus to Linux. Now, we did this in our studio in Phoenix, you know, for just this reason. Right before you go on or you want to do something important or you're going to, boom, massive, you have to updates of 15 gazillion computers and everything. And it takes like half a day and it's, it's, screw it. I want all Linux. Well, I have this mobile system here uh, while I'm in Washington for the next couple of weeks. This is, you know, the Windows, whatever the hell next is. And um, it's being a pain in the butt. But what we're making sure to have some continuity and reliability as we go to Linux. Now, we also have a bunch of um, our servers and our IT guys, because we have our own servers and, you know, in-country, out-of-country, back up across the pond. of the. We're, no, I don't trust these guys. The IPFS stuff is really starting to take off. Other content providers, our um, uh, creators are embracing that also. We have all of our MP3s before they went to MP4, you know, video. They have a bunch of graphics that we gave them. They're turning a bunch of our MP3s into MP4s and start platforming them all over the place. So this is automation and stuff we've been working on for several years in anticipation of what's happening right now. And it's just started to come together. And all of a sudden, this opportunity to go on, you know, dozens of uh, Terran stations, eh, okay. But we're not going to do it live. We're going to do uh, take this show edited along with uh, you know James Corbett I did yesterday and some other stuff that I want to make sure we get in. It'll be three-hour segment that we'll do once a week on Monday nights that'll broadcast on Terran Radio. So just FYI, so we got to clean up our language, man. You know, I just, you know, <laughs> I, I'll be editing all day, you know. So I'm like, you know, you know, how can you – yeah, you know, we got we got to clean up our language. <laughs> we were free there for a while, but the um <laughs> So FYI. But the um so that's kind of the update on what's going on. Justin Olson from Autonomy's been up here um uh with me and we're working on the websites, you know, for Occupy. We're getting ready to 
Uh, when I go back to Bangor, Maine, Don and I will fly back there in the middle of July. I think the 19th, 20th is when we're going. And we'll get back there and we start building the equipment for making it a lot faster and easier for our build in Arizona. We get back, you know, probably October, late September, October. And then, you know, we pull the trigger on uh, land that we're looking at. And I haven't been in a big hurry because it's, it's dropping in price. You know, silver's going to shoot up. Crypto already has. Bitcoin Cash went from 97 to over $300 in a couple of weeks. And, and I'm like, whoa, okay, there's that. So this has been um, what scared me today, and I, I share this stuff. I didn't plan on sharing all this with you because it really wasn't quite time, but um, it's this false fag, flag uh, threat I feel is coming uh, for Ukraine. They want, they need us to get in to a war. They need a mushroom cloud. They need a justification, and they'll create it if they have to, to go after Russia. What they don't anticipate is what kind of response there might be. And this brings back, I'll, I'll end with this, and we'll turn it over to Frank and get us caught up. But um, there was a movie called Fog of War. And what it was, it was a documentary on Robert McNamara, which used to be Secretary of Defense under JFK and uh, Lyndon Johnson. And he was one of the brainiac kids from World War II, crunch the numbers of we're going to do some ass whipping kind of thing. And he's a real smart guy, but, you know, if you don't have freedom philosophy, what good does that do you? But the um, there was a movie done on those times, and they didn't mention that. Right after that, he went to be head of the World Bank. You know, they kind of forgot that part, you know. But in there, there were things that uh, were very interesting that he went and met with the uh, head general at the time during the Vietnam War, you know, later went and talked to them, and he went to Cuba and had a meeting with Fidel Castro. What came out of it, the um, Cash, the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, what he won, he asked him, and he goes, if you would have had the nukes there, would you have used them against us? And, uh, you know, uh, and then, of course, you would have been obliterated when he goes, Oh, no, I don't think you guys, you didn't know. We had the nuclear weapons. They were armed. I did tell Khrushchev to use them. We, I, I, <laughs> screw you guys, man. Freaking take out Washington, do it. He goes, not only did we have them, I told them to do it. Well, what would have happened to Cuba? Yeah, I've been blown up, don't care. Screw you guys, okay? So that, you know... Through Robert McNamara, you know, back in the what the crap? It was negotiation between uh, JFK and Khrushchev because JFK had a bunch of generals they wanted to go to war. Khrushchev had a bunch of his guys they wanted to go to war. It was it, it's going to happen. So when Trump was in there and he and Putin, they were kind of doing the JFK Khrushchev thing. Hey, man, do we really got to do this kind of deal? Well, they're, you know, they want to get rid of these guys, get damn peacemongers. We got to get some warmongering going on. So we almost went to nuclear war with the Cuban Missile Crisis and Cuba had the nukes and Fidel Castro wanted to use them. Watch the movie, the documentary fog of war from the mouth of Robert Nat McNamara, which was secretary of defense at the time. I got clips, you know, that I could use on this if I had my system on the bus, but I tell you, 
Fog of War was a documentary. It didn't get a lot of play. They didn't want the only reason it was a big movie night that we made out of it on Freedom's Phoenix and so on, that it was, you know, pumped, you know, through um, uh, during the Bush administration. They definitely wanted to, you know, make a big deal. Oh, the war, war, war. And then when Obama gets in, what war? You know, you know what I'm talking about. So this is we are on the edge of this. And you want to see how it turns into a food thing? Yeah, set off a nuke and see what happens. Especially now that they bombed the crap out of the breadbasket of Ukraine, which supplies an enormous amount of uh, grain. Now, one other thing, there's a gentleman named uh, James Patrick that we interviewed. I met at Anarchapoco a couple of years ago. He did the movie uh, Lockdown, Planet Lockdown. And um, we featured that and worked with that. And he needed help to promote that. And he's got other movie. And we have a, a friend that is a, a producer that had worked on Vaxxed and Plandemic and you know, a bunch of these other things. And I hooked her up with him. And they're uh, we're pushing that. And now they got a new movie coming out. You know, the uh, something nitrogen, whatever. I can't remember what it's called. But it's on the Dutch farmers and them taking their land from them and stopping production of food out of the Netherlands. A lot of people don't know the Netherlands is the primary food source for Europe. They just, man, they got it going on and they bought some farmland and they're just, you know, getting on it. They go, oh, no, 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 no. We got to shut down the farms because we got to shut down the farms because we got to shut down the farms and they want to do the same thing with the U S and they're blaming nitrogen, you know, fertilizers or whatever. This is guaranteed that they want a great reset and they're doing everything they can to great reset it. They may not reset the way they want, you know, but they're going to gamble and try anyway because they believe they're in positions of power to do so. And the real power always is general public opinion. And I, but you know, how many guns does the world have? They're all in America, you know, which is one final thing for Frank. Uh, you'll like this. I just got an email from, um, I mean, a uh, telegram from listener, Sean, and, uh, the, you know, the uh, architect on Occupy the Land. And I'm going, so he always sends me good stuff. It is a copy of a letter from um, the city of Phoenix. And what it says is that the city of Phoenix, they are, um, here it goes, city council formal meeting report, blah, 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 firearms transfer agreement, ordinance, yada, yada, yada. The city of Phoenix has approximately 500 to 800 firearms that they have, you know, through, I don't know, crimes, uh, confiscation, whatever. And it used to be that they'd put them at auction and you would bid on them individually in the 90s. You'd just go in and you'd bid, okay, I want that, I'll pay five. And they'd make a lot more money for it. And it went to purchase ammunition for firearms training for the police. So their, their ammo was paid for by guns that they uh, had confiscated for whatever reason or the trial came and went and what do they do with this gun? Well, then they were putting them back in, you know, people auction on, Well, then they freaked, Oh no, you can't do that. You'll get more guns back into the public and that's, that's bad, you know? So they stopped that. But first what they did is they took them in big lots. There had to be at least 10,000, it was $5,000 worth and $10,000 worth or so many guns or whatever and big 
uh, FFLs, you know, big uh, gun dealers would only be buying them as opposed to making more money when they auction them off individually. So they, it wasn't the money thing, it was a control thing and who got it thing. Whatever. So we, as Second Amendment is for everyone, safe, you know, safegunowners.com.org. You know, we were all over this stuff. Well, what happened is they started melting them down and they made a big sculpture downtown in the city of Phoenix and were melting down guns and whatever during the Clinton administration. So now what they've done is that um, they are going to take them and transfer them to Ukraine. They're taking American firearms, the city of Phoenix... And they're doing transfers of firearms from here and giving them to Ukraine. And I'm going, you know, it, it, it never stops. And this is going to be done, you know, by many other cities and so on. It's going to see, uh, uh, will transfer to the national, national police of Ukraine. There won't be any corruption there, you know, pinky swear. So... This whole thing, we are at a world war right now. This is coming. It's happening. It is this slow burn, cold, warm war. I mean, you got a cold war and a hot war. It's kind of warm, but they're turning up the flame on it. And you and every city and every place around the country, I want to know how many more of these there are. Now, the city of Phoenix has been... You know, this is just another Democrat. Hey, remember when we, during the Clinton amendment, yeah, let's do that and send the guns to Ukraine. Because they were sending them to the furnaces before to make some kind of big sculpture art thing downtown. So this is just a sign of what's to come and why not a chance in hell that they can allow anybody other than their selection during this election process of some Democrat that they want to have a win of something and they're still sticking behind Biden. Are you kidding me? So I thoughts on all that, Frank. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, wow. I'll tell you what, if you <laughs> haven't made me uh, pessimistic about uh, the, uh, the selection uh, or election, um, you know, you'd certainly make the point. Welcome to Declare Your Independence on the Free Talk Live Network. It's time for Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember... I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have fought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Let us make them remember. We are not You know, I, I, I find that almost everything we're talking about is just almost like as if a vortex 
and it's coming together. It's swirling together. And you're starting to see it just kind of congeal into the middle. Look, I understand life is a complete web and everything is, is, is interlinked. Yeah. But man, I mean, just all the topics you brought up, um, and I'm not going to get deep into each of them. I'm just going to throw, let's spitball some things here you're talking about. But, you know, you have, uh, you know, a, a lot of centering is around Ukraine and who's really running this country. And more and more, it, we think we've all known it's the military industrial complex at its core. You know, I've always known it's there. I'm, I've never been obtuse to it. I watched Eisenhower's speech, you know, way back you know, in the 1990s when I first learned about it before the Internet. I remember somehow I found it. Um, and we've covered on the show uh, for, for newcomers. We've played the Eisenhower speech a couple times. We just let it ride a whole 14 minutes, whatever, here on Freedom's Phoenix because it's that important. Um, with that said, you know, it, it, it's, it's as if that, however, is the driving engine of everything um, as far as the economy, the secret economy that began to get to all, you know, all this blacklisted stuff where you just have an open check for military hardware that, you know, well, you can't put on the books because it's all top secret national security. It's for it's it's to keep you safe. Keep you safe, Ernie. So, for, of course, that sent, sets a pattern up. You know, the idea that we used to be a country like most countries where if there was a war, then companies would turn around and start making war products for the war. So Ford Motor Company made Model T train uh, Model T cars. And then uh, when it, if there was a war, then they would turn off a couple assembly lines and start making Jeeps. You know, and of course, that that was their war effort. You know? And we never, but we've never had companies that were 100 percent designed just for war. That's sort of a, of a new concept that a lot of people are not aware of. You know, all these defense contractor companies that are essentially working arms of the government. You know, they really are the government because of the board of directors and all. But they're held at arm's length by being a private company. And they play that game, which leads into the whole you know, UFO stuff. But we'll get into that maybe later. But, uh, but, but no, it's, it's, it's all of a sudden we have companies that are 100% into making products for war. So, like, like, you know, whereas Ford could go back to making Model T Ford, uh, uh, Ford cars, um, you know, a Jeep or, or company or something that makes tanks all day or aircraft, aircraft carriers, I mean, that's your job. And you need to make more of them. You need to have a reason to exist, which is the biggest problem with government is that, uh, you know, whenever a new law or something's on the books or a politician, they have to have a reason to exist. So that has been, I think, the driving force. And we could go all sorts of links to this, whether it's the ballooning of the economy, our foreign policy issues, uh, uh, many of the so-called conspiracies out there of, of uh, you know, Eisenhower, war, Eisenhower, a war guy, right? The guy is General Eisenhower. Nobody knew war better than him. And he was the one who announced and, 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 uh, and illuminated and warned the American people as he was walking out the door, mind you, Hey, I just I, I there was a, we have a big problem here, people. Uh, and then, of course, JFK gets in and he starts to uh, follow up on what on what Eisenhower is saying. He starts resisting the Vietnam War. You know, he he's the peace hawk who tries to, to, to tone down uh, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. Everything you're talking about, just like what Trump is dealing with today. And you turn around and you you try to um, you try to push for peace or try to tone down the temperature. Right. And then the system comes after you. Right. The, the, the system that claims they're for peace and they're not. Right. And they, they will take you out. And somehow JFK suddenly and mysteriously uh, is not here. Or at least, they, they, you know, he, he gets shot by a lone gunman. So all of this just keeps circling around. Then we, of course, we have with Ukraine, which is the new push. 
Uh, we'll maybe talk later for fun. We tend to, on the show, we've been talking a little bit about the UFO issue just because it, you know, the government has admitted some of it and there seems to be some connection with all of this, uh, with Senator Marco Rubio interviewing, kind of taking the lead on this from the government perspective. Um, you know, there, well, we'll touch on that later, but, you know, some of the uh, defense contractors and some of the government people were saying that there is a real push for this disclosure but the disclosure that they want over this UFO thing isn't for Americans or, or humanity to finally wake up and see something different. It's the fact that certain defense contractors apparently uh, w- w- had like buddy-buddy agreements and they had access to some of this technology, whatever it is everyone's arguing over. But the problem now is that many, as, as it's becoming more mainstream, that other companies, including other defense contractors, didn't get in on the action. And so it's been a kind of a monopoly of certain government agencies. And now apparently you have new technology companies, big tech companies. All these new tech companies are saying, wait a minute, if this really exists, and apparently during the the grapevine out there, they all seem to know this, so they're hearing more about it. They're saying, hey, you know, we want in on this for our own, you know, because it's an unfair business advantage, right? So, so, So this seems to be what's driving a lot of this interest. It's not about you know, some philosophical thing on humanity. It's companies that want in and and probably, unfortunately, is that if this is all true, then, um, you know, eventually these larger companies might have a way in. The government says, fine, fine, fine. We'll let you all have a piece of the pie here. Just let's just not go mainstream on this. And the whole thing gets scuttled away. But one of the things that's been talked about is that many of these uh, people in government regarding, you know, spending more time and effort looking into this issue, um, is that they're being sidetracked, they said, because of Ukraine. They said, we'd like to talk and get into this, but our in, our, 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 all of our attention is being pushed on Ukraine and China. And they have said to some of these, 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 these government people that we will be in war in the, by the next uh, two years, full-on war with China and or with Ukraine. Like They're, they're actually just, they, they just, they're just buying their time. They know this is a, a setup that eventually we will be there. And so that's taking their attention and their monies which is taking away from this this you know, UFO thing. Furthermore, then we get to, we will definitely talk about Sound of Freedom. I saw it on opening night, but that whole deal deals with child trafficking. And child trafficking is, of course, from around the world. We're dealing with, with, with the poorest border. We're seeing you know, child trafficking everywhere, but guess where we tend to see it? And it's been hitting the news the last you know six months, a year, is that it's coming from Ukraine. Because wherever you have war-torn areas, you have all these orphans and you have an infrastructure that's been destroyed. Ooh, and white, pretty Ukrainian, you know, children with, you know, blonde hair and high cheekbones. Oh, that's we need a war just to do that. Top price. Top price. Exactly. And so and so what what I was saying is, is that I I can keep going, but there's this whole and then the culture crisis, which we'll talk about. Our favorite, one of our favorite pet topics is Disney because they're the canary in the coal mine of the culture wars on all different areas because they are pushing the culture that we're all uh, fighting over right now. The destruction, the, 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 the self-emulation, essentially, of Western society by our own people from the ignorance. And it's, it's, a, it's a cultural revolution. And it's being pushed by these companies and the companies are, being, are pushing it for different reasons. A lot of them are the ESG scores, which brings into the economy again. Um, but uh, uh, but but you're 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 seeing you're seeing this kind of uh, this, this and oh and then of course uh, uh, the the the, the, you know, the collapsing of all these media companies and that's what they are I mean it's Warner Brothers and Paramount 
and Disney, which of course we highlight, but other companies are going through the same thing. And just to do a quick highlight is that Indiana Jones, and we've talked in the past about all the failures of Disney alone. They have not had one hit, not one move, not forget a hit. They haven't had a movie to even make money in the last two years. I mean, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 just broke even. Every movie is not just a loss, but a colossal loss. And they keep getting bigger and bigger in their loss. And uh, Indiana Jones is going to go down is one of the greatest collapses and, and flops in history. It's up there with Ishtar. I mean, we're talking <laughs> about a level. And this is the, and, and we'll, we'll get into this more later. But here's the kicker. It's Disney, a, a constant failures, but they destroyed another franchise. This movie, it cost over over $350 million, and they, they, they're only admitting up to 295 but we all know it's over it's around 350 That doesn't even include the marketing. This movie needed to make close to a billion dollars to actually make money on it. And 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 and, and it's I mean it's not even it will never do that. It, it only made a hundred a little over a hundred million globally, including China and everywhere, in five days. Now, here's the kicker. We'll talk about Sound of Freedom later, but Indiana Jones, after on the third day or fourth day out, on the 4th of July, remember, this, this movie was supposed to own 4th of July weekend. Own it. I mean, that, that was position. No one wanted to be around that movie because it would be a colossal success is what they figured, especially 4th of July. It's like the one day, summer, everyone goes to the movies. Not only did the movie, not only did nobody go to see the movie, the movie that beat Disney's own Indiana Jones indie movie was another. I'm being a little punny here. Indie movie, meaning an independent movie, which was Sound of Freedom through Angel Studios. Right? It actually made more money. It made 14 million dollars in one day. Right? I'm sorry for that for the July that for that weekend versus Disney. Now, now on that weekend. Uh, 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 just, I want to make this too much in the numbers right now. Indiana Jones made only $11 million, right? And, and Sound of, Fear, of, of, of Freedom made $14 million. So this independent movie made more money than, 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 than Indiana Jones. The, the Sound of, of, of uh, Freedom cost $14 million to make. So it basically made its money back in one day. And here's the real part, which kind of ties a lot of this together. A lot of people don't know this. There's a lot to this story, and we'll get into the movie later. I, I went, or I'm going to throw it back to Ernie because to unpack some things that we're talking about. But just so you guys know, <laughs> this sound of, of, of freedom, which every one of you needs to watch, this movie is one of those cultural milestones that we hit once in a while as a country. And I think it's even going to lead into the campaign of Donald Trump about building the wall because the whole point was about the, the porous wall and what's going on. And there's even a, a, a video going around right now, Tim Ballard, who's the, the guy that's movie is based upon his true story. And he was in the Oval Office with Donald Trump talking about the need of the wall, talking about these stories a few years ago when Trump was president and, he was, and talking about how, how necessary it is. So forgetting about whether you want a wall or not, I'm just saying a lot of these things are going to come together. But this movie, Sound of Freedom, was created by an independent movie company and it was going to be distributed through Fox. Now, Ernie, I hope you're sitting down for this one. It's supposed to be distributed through Fox. And it was done five years ago during the Trump administration, right? So it was done, ready to go. And this movie is fantastic. And the acting is unbelievable. I mean, it's just, I, I can't say, we'll talk about it later. But this movie, then Fox gets bought out by who, Ernie? 
They them those. I don't know who. No, Disney. Disney bought Fox. We covered this on the show a few weeks ago. Disney, they just go, they buy They bought Pixar. They bought Lucasfilm. They bought Marvel. They went and they bought Fox a year or so ago, which is why, you know, Disney now owns the Alien franchise. Just wait till they screw that up. So the thing is, they bought Fox, which meant that they owned Sound of Freedom. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Disney bought Alien franchise? Yeah, yeah. They bought Fox. They bought all of Fox, the, the whole company of Fox. They, Disney bought Fox just a couple of years ago. Oh We've talked God. about it on the show. So every movie that 20th Century Fox has made, Disney owns. Everything. The, 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 the Lethal Weapon franchise. I mean, just, just, I mean, just everything that Fox has ever done, Disney owns it now. And, 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 and that's a whole other story in itself, right? I mean, that's another reason there's so much debt. And all these franchises, they keep buying, and then they destroy them because of their cultural war, the ESG. That's, that's a whole other thing. So it's so much that we talk about in the show. What I'm saying is how everything's kind of intertwined right now, and you're seeing it for what it is. Because now the Americans can see it through the Internet, and we can talk about it. Uh, you know, they can't just, 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 just uh, corral us into groupthink as they have for the last you know, hundreds of years, or at least, at least I mean, in recent times, you know, through three network televisions and, and Operation Mockingbird telling us all, all, all exactly how to think. But anyway, so Fox, Fox winds up uh, getting sold to Disney. So Disney owns all of this. One of the tiny, 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 tiny little projects is this little independent movie called Sound of Freedom that they had agreed that they would, that they would distribute. Well, Disney now owns it. And Disney says, you know what? You're, you know, we, we obviously care about the children, care about the children. And we have a movie about child trafficking. And you know what? We decided not to distribute it. We're just going to stick it in the vault, have a nice day, collect dust. I have no idea, Ernie, why a company that's all for children who doesn't want anything to do with a movie that deals with child trafficking, which, by the way, when you see it, this is something you think we should be. Back in the 90s, something like this would, well, if they even allow it then, it would be like Oscar bait. I mean, this, this movie is just, it's everything to this movie. And so they, 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 they just table it away. I wonder why. Has that anything to do with their friends that go to a certain island or a certain per- certain people in Hollywood? We, you know, uh, we, we'll save that conversation for later. But Disney turns around and then tables or just sequesters, files away this movie. So they refuse to release it. So then the, the, the producers, I'm sorry, the, 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 the makers of this movie spent you know, years of legal wrangling trying to get this movie out. And then uh, to their credit, to Disney, I'll give Disney a little credit, they allowed it to be sold. And they went to Angel Studios. Angel Studios is this Mormon-based production company that became famous just the last few years. Another topic we've talked on the show, not to make this a religious... It's a good versus evil thing, man. It's not meant to be religious, but religion and culture are... Religion is one of the touchstones of a culture, which is why we do discuss it on the show for new listeners. Thing is, Angel Studios is the one that made this very, very successful series on Jesus uh, called The Chosen, many of you have seen. And so now they're making a lot of money there, and there's so much money on that movie, or that show, The Chosen. They have more movies in the pipeline, including one about uh, the nun Cabrini, uh, which I, I actually am interested because my old girlfriend went to Cabrini College back in, back in Pennsylvania. I always wanted to know her story. So they're tackling all these topics that, uh, that mainstream production companies never would that I think are you know, very fascinating. Well, anyway, 
they, they go to Angel and Angel says, look, we'll distribute it for you, but we need money to help with the legal fees and get this distributed. So Angel had the infrastructure and, and, and so they agreed to crowdfund it. Yep. So they got $5 million to crowdfund just for the initial distribution, plus the social media network, which they put together, which again, Ernie and Freedom Phoenix talks quite a bit about the new, about the new social structure, the new parallel economy. And so this thing finally gets released. And so here's the point. A movie about child trafficking has something to say that only cost $14 million, made its money back in one day, was pushed down by Disney Who Cares About Children, and then was released through Angel Studios, a new up-and-coming parallel economy production company. And then this movie beats Indiana Jones that cost $350 million all going down the toilet on top of all the other movies has nothing to say except pushing an agenda and beats them at their own game on opening day or opening weekend. So, I mean, that there's so much to, you know, that just tied together. Uh, I'll, we'll get to polls later about the new generation, young people now leaning more populist nationalist, good or for bad, but how the culture really is changing uh, uh, as far as with, uh, with social media, but what people are finally having enough. And I think, and I'll, I'll end it here, but, you know, this blowback that we have talked about on the show for a few years. And again, thanks to Ernie for, you know, uh, realizing that this wasn't just a movie. We're not a movie review channel, of course. But how it seems much like this it. stuff, this pop <laughs> culture plays in. I turned it into it, yeah. But how the pop culture is, is so seminal to this. Remember, uh, again, for newbies, is that Karl Marx always said, if you want to take down a, 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 a nation or convert them to love the government over anything else, you have to basically supersede the three things that most humans put above government. And that is their love of their family, the family unit. So you destroy the family unit. Also, their love of God, uh, religion. So you go after religion and God, and they've been very successful at that. And then the last tenet is you go after uh, the culture, which in many ways, you know, I mean, they've been attacking that for years. And I think Donald Trump, uh, the phenomenon of Donald Trump was he was one of the last public gasps of the American culture, warts and all, I admit. But it was it was that 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 cultural pushback. So that's what this fight has been over, and this Disney movie and all of this has been has been a, a, a sign of, of, of again the canary in the coal mine. But but to finish up, all of these these movies, I, we, we got a whole list of them: the Flash movie, Elemental. I mean, the, I, I, the Little Mermaid. I mean, this goes on. The, the the Mandalorian, all the cable shows, Disney Plus, losing subscribers, hemorrhaging more than you can imagine. Paramount subscription, just. Every single movie, every one of them has failed, including movies that are still coming out, are going to fail worse than The Flash and Indiana Jones. I mean, The Flash and Indiana Jones were the top, top, top tentpole movies of each production studios. They were supposed to have been the Jurassic Park of the summer. They were I mean, supposed to pay for all the other crap that they that did. Big. The, the, yeah, but these movies were the top. This is they were banking. Other movies can fail, but at least we have The Flash and Michael Keaton's in it, and everyone's going to swarm to the theaters for that one. And the same thing with Indiana. I mean, Indiana Jones 5. Who who could resist that one? And it's the biggest tank of all time. And keep in mind, they still have movies in the pipeline just for this year. Marvel, I'm sorry, Disney has another superhero movie coming out. I'm sorry, DC has another superhero movie called The Blue Beetle. Don't worry about it. No one's going to see it. I, it's an old, obscure comic book, but they're trying to make a Hispanic family 
part of the superhero franchise. And not only is no one going to see it, it's already worse than Flash. In the coming attractions, they call Batman a fascist. So they actually, and that's another reason people have like just canceled the, the, the movie. But that movie's going to fail because Flash already failed. So why would someone, someone see the Blue Beetle? Aquaman 2 hasn't come out yet. That is going to be just destroyed even more than Flash. The same thing with Marvel movies. They have all these movies coming out. No one's going to see them because if you realize if they're not seeing Indiana Jones, the top Disney movie, and they're not seeing The Flash, the top DC Warner movie, then every other movie that's, that's actually under that is going to fail and collapse. So as we've talked about in the show, this is, this is not just a movie issue. This is the entire nation. The culture just seems exhausted. They're okay, just let me, let me inject a little bit here. Yeah, go ahead. Every week, Dr. Frank and I go at least three to five hours, so there's a lot of stuff we discuss. But you get a good you know, feel for our perspective on different things and movies, you know, pop culture, comic books, uh, TV shows, um, what's being taught in the schools. So we discuss a lot of things and been very predictive on what's been you know, coming our way, what wicked this way is here. And I'm glad I got to share some of our conversation with you. We'll be right back. Choke up thinking about it, but it was just it was just everything together. So yeah, this anyways, is, it has legs. Powerful. It's going I'll to be back to you. Well, ahead. well, this is you know, um, it happened. My oldest daughter, she has you know all our grandkids. Literally, I mean, they are beautiful. I mean, they are mm-hmm. they're, they're ooh, you know, they're they're on the chopping block. I mean, you know, they you know they they they'd fetch some money. You know, so this is um, we're you know concerned we're careful and my oldest daughter uh she's really out because she has uh her husband is um uh, norwegian so he's you know all their kids are blonde blue-eyed super babes you know kind of thing they fetch a high price and um my (laughs) granddaughter she's 11 and gorgeous and it's um she's been really adamant about, man, you stay right next to me and freaking, you know, kids on leashes kind of thing. I mean, she didn't go that far, but you might as well be because she's such a laser beam on keeping everybody in check. And uh, because this is a concern to her, you know, she's going, look, man, if they see in a crowd, you know, guess which one they're targeting, you know. And my youngest daughter, uh, her youngest son, cutest kid ever. He's just, Leo is just He's just adorable. He just goes up, talks to anybody and, you know, and uh, whatever. And then all our kids, you know, they're, they're very open. They're, and we're at many different events, sporting events, soccer, football, basketball, you know, that kind of thing. And you're among friends and so on to run around. Well, of course, you got the, the little pedophile, you know, scumbag that's, you know, circling the field looking for stray kids like they were leopards waiting on for a bison to, you know, separate from the herd kind of thing. And um, she lost Leo for 15 minutes, longest 15 minutes. 
I mean, she, he was in there around somewhere, and of course, you know, you're spent. Your uh, the family's all looking around for. I wasn't there for this for this one, but man, it scared the crap out of her. And finally, you know, they found him. He got lost, and he was looking for you know which soccer field of whatever. You know, they wander off, and um, so what she did is she has you know she's one of you you know iphone everything so they get these um little tags that you just put in their waistband you know it's a a pin that you put on them you know and you can track your kid you know you know where are boom it's right there you can see where they are and some abducted children have been found this way you know or tracked or they you know catch them and uh so she has when they go out in the public they have like for these little things, you know, they put it on their keys or their purse or, and freaking their kids, you know, and a lot of people would go, Oh, I can't believe you're tracking your kid. I can't believe you would keep track of, you know, daddy, 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 kiss my butt, you know, that you have technology that has this option. And, you know, it's not because you're lazy and you don't want to, you know, keep an eye on them, but they're kids. They're always freaking running off in the old exploring you know how much do you want to beat that out of them or you just put a like a lot of people would do it was a thing in the 90s they would actually put leashes on them they were like oh i can't believe they're leashing their kid i'm like hell that'd be a great idea i have four kids you know four under four almost and i'm like damn where's the leash you know so it was so i had to be the leash you know i'm always yelling i'm get your ass over here don't get you don't you ever get out of my side I'll kick your butt you know that kind of thing but <laughs> so they were pretty good, but uh, for our grandchildren, they use these, um, I don't know what the hell they call them, their iPhone little round discs that, you know, uh, integrate with the cell phone towers or whatever, but you can track them and keep track. They do it for dogs. You know, they're having to do it for dogs up here. They call them halos. You, you can track them or you geofence them. They get zapped or whatever the heck. So technology helps a lot with this kind of stuff, but. Um, I'll bet you because of this movie and the awareness of this, you know, they're going to have an uptick in sales, you know? So I, um, I, I, yes. I've experienced that, you know, ourselves, Donna's had times you can't find, you know, they're in the store somewhere. You hope, you know, they're off, you know, you go find the, the toy section, you know, you find them there, but the, um, you know, stay with us. And for my youngest daughter to lose you know, a three-year-old son at a soccer game, you know, a bunch of soccer fields, everybody playing everything. It was a thing. What's the first thing you do? Boom. You go to the entrance. You're in the parking lot. You make sure they don't make it out. You know, somebody's not calling off your kid, you know, and then you kind of work from there. But uh, it scared her enough she bought technology. So so I want to switch this discussion a little bit to – what this movie is going to do? What are the ramifications? I have I have a few notes on some politics, candidates, uh, media, politics, campaigns, issues. Yeah, there's certain things I want to talk about about the ramifications because I really believe, and I'm curious after you see this movie, you know what you think. We gotta wrap and it also, up in 15 minutes. I got another show I gotta do. Yeah, yeah. So, so also, I do think this is going to be a thing. I could be wrong. Maybe this is a flash in a pan. We'll be talking about it after a week. But I, I really think this thing's going to have legs and it's going to open up a discussion, not to mention into an election year. So so first off is what you already talked about. I mean, you, you already broached it, which is, you know, my concern is, are we going to be overly paranoid? 
I mean, it's already bad enough. We're not allowed to have our kid walk home from school. After you see this movie, I mean, you're going to have to have an armed escort. Every parent's going right. to do that. Not to, you know, and, and, and that, to me, is the wrong message at the same time. I mean, I don't know what the answer is because we, you know, is, is child trafficking that much worse now than it was before, or is it the fact we finally have attention to it? Scuttlebutt. You got to identify way. the scumbags and every all the sociopath, psychopath, child molesting sons of bitches. I don't need your freaking you know uh, uh, map of whatever. I need to have it on a list of I know privately, not who you allowed to get or sued to get their name off of the scumbag list or whatever, that we have a social credit score that's by the people. It's an eBay Yelp rating of that guy's a scumbag. That person's a you know sociopath. That person because it's not just the character that you know abducts children. They abduct your freedom. They abduct your stuff. They they steal. They man they have no empathy. There these people are natural occurring as a different species the way their brain works throughout human history. And they're the ones that seek positions of authority and shiny badges and lab coats and Fauciisms of whatever the hell. So we need to be able to have access to information that we get to determine who the scumbags are by our criteria. And they include just about every freaking politician. So, so, so the thing is, and yeah, we've with, for new listeners, we've talked quite a bit about antisocial, uh, a disorder and that's another discussion but but thanks yeah it, it, it's a very important point to realize how real that is they make up four percent of the human population which has been as far as we know fairly consistent in time until we start talking about eugenics that's a whole other discussion yeah, create but, some more <laughs> but but again if four percent has always been sociopaths then you know many of the evils of the world have been maybe you might say fairly consistent or at least potentially so I, anyway, I don't want to get bogged in about, about how bad child trafficking has always been or not. Is it really worse now? Or is it the fact we're just knowing more about it? Or is it becoming easier because of technology, ironically? Or is it just a sign of just how our culture is falling apart? You know, the end of the, of the Roman Empire or empires when, they, when societies are falling apart. This is the type of corruption and crime that comes to the top. You know, child, child trafficking and child rape and all of this becomes an issue, you know, once the society is degraded to such a point where the whole system's falling apart. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a, 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 I'm going to rattle off these things, I promise. But th- there's one little fun little meme, pseudo meme I want to bring up, which is just think about, um, you know, the, the, the contrast. This is not meant to be Republicans are better than Democrats, by the way. But, you know, back in the 80s or 90s, it was often said, fact, that Ronald Reagan, President Reagan, never in his eight years took his jacket off in the Oval Office one time. And he was such such reverence for that position of being president and where he was, he wouldn't even take the jacket off, even if it was by himself in the Oval Office. Then contrast that, you know, four, eight years later, and you have Bill Clinton dropping trowel in there, right? I mean, right. Just, just, just take a look at that contrast and what that says. Now we have the similar situation. You have President Donald Trump. Right. The guy doesn't even drink alcohol. He won't even drink a beer. I mean, he's getting no illicit substances. You know, whether you love him or hate him, completely against anything mind altering. Right. And then the next president, we got crack cocaine, you know, blow Biden, you know, in the White House. Right. We just learned about or you can look at just health. You have RFK Jr. 
You know, the guy's doing push-ups at his age, and he's this healthy guy talking about concerns about untested drugs put in you. And then we've got a president right now, in contrast, who doesn't want to debate him, who, who can't even walk up a flight of steps, can't even make, make coherent sentences. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to read too much into it, but it's almost personification of what our country's going through when you start looking at the people who've been in charge and, and the people who are trying to push back. Anyway, I don't want my my concern is, as I said earlier in the show, with a unified culture or peace and and, and you have less safety issues and less fear. And as you point out all the time, it's fear that drives things. And a movie like this, uh, I, 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 I fear is going to ramp up the fear issue even more uh, is the answer that we just, you know, uh, tattoo uh, GPS on all of our kids. Maybe that's the God forbid the for libertarians. That's the answer, because then that way we could have our kids walk home from school or whatever, because at least we know where everybody is at. And maybe that's one way to de-escalate it using technology that we, the parents, can decide and or get rid of as they get older. All right. That's one. Uh, that's one thing from this movie. Yeah, you Another, get your chip taken out when you're 18. <laughs> exa- exactly. Exactly. I, I can you're free. with that as long as it's reversible. Now, the other the other is the distrust of the system, I think, leading into um uh, 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 in, into some of the things that's going to come out for this, especially in election year and such. There's already been the distrust. We talked about uh, people not trusting the media, right, that started to go down. They don't trust politicians. That's been on for a long time, but they really don't trust politicians now. Then people started, you know, in the last five to ten years, people now not trusting the judicial system, people feeling that there is no justice being done, that we do have a two-tier justice system. You know, that doesn't exist. And this goes both Democrats and Republicans all believing this. Then we look at the Department of Justice and, you know, the FBI and different groups. Now there's no trust in those systems. You know, it used to be, I know it's hard to believe, but there was a time, and I know Ernie, don't scoff at this. I know we have a different crowd on this channel, but, you know, the average person, you know, kind of trusted our, 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 our men and women, you know, working at, the, at these government agencies trying to stop drugs and child trafficking and whatever you know there was a belief that at the end of the day you know the the, the top uh, 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 law enforcement officers really were there to protect us right i know ernie's probably just biting his lip on that one but, but you know th- there's that that distrust has has been blown wide open that people can see the politicalization then comes the distrust in medicine which obviously this whole thing with Dr. Fauci and, and, and I, I do have a shrine to Dr. Fauci in my house. I have a like a velvet Elvis. I have a velvet Fauci with candles and I bow down to him every day. I love Dr. Fauci because no one has done more for my profession of naturopathy than Dr. Fauci, because if people didn't trust the medical system before COVID, they certainly have now figured out they don't trust the system now. So he's been good for business. But anyway, so then now medicine, which was far removed from politics showed people that, you know, that, that maybe, you know, for, uh, pol- politicians I don't trust, but I trust my doctor. Now they don't even trust their doctor. Now, when you get to this issue of child trafficking with this movie showing up and people start to piece together, why? I mean, yeah, yeah, it, the stuff with Epstein's Island and then with the CIA being involved, then you see the government uh, uh, lack of response to be nice about it over this issue. And then Disney refusing to release it. And then you got Corey Feldman and all of these things that that people are starting to piece together that this is really an issue and why is it not been talked about how if for all the things that you discussed for a long you know your your very good monologue on this topic so i think the distrust in government or the system at large you know it, this is just one more huge component that people are going to say 
And now this too, I can't even trust my government from not, you know, taking my kids or being part of a racket, putting my kid for sale. Like, 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 when am I going to wake up from this damn nightmare? Right. That's how I think Americans are going to look at this going into an election year is what I'm getting to. Then you have Trump, right? Always it's been Trump at least once on the show, right? So he's going to do his campaign circuit um, and about build the wall. Well, now build the wall is going to have a whole nother meaning to this. As this movie goes viral and you're seeing the importance of the wall and Tim Bowler talking to Trump about the wall. So now the wall is going to be kind of code somewhat or he'll just come out and say it. Child trafficking. So now instead of talking about, about the fentanyl coming over the border, now Trump just has to talk about child trafficking. And man, that is going to be, you know, a, a big boost for fundraising. And I think people really paying attention to him on that. Next is what is it going to do for um, uh, I, I, this is an interesting one, too, is what will Hollywood's response be on this? <laughs> what is the media in Hollywood response? You know, we're in a world now where, you know, uh, Trump even joked that if he says that, you know, water is good for you to drink, they'll come out and say water is bad for you. Right. I mean, it's just everything's opposite. Well, how do you take an opposite position to this movie? Right. It's especially from the liberals who are all you know, save the children. This should be Point. their issue. They're the ones that should have made this. It should have been a bunch of right-wing extremist Mormons that are sitting there and putting this movie Good out point. being fought against by Disney, right? So that, that to me, is what position will they have to take? Are they going to bash them because, well, did it make, did it make a billion dollars? Are they going to laugh at it for that? Are they going to say that this, this is all fake news, that this is all made up? Are they really going to go down that path when they got Jeffrey? Well, they're already in that position. You have Disney, you know, they're, they're, you know, left and right. They got some pedophile grooming, whatever the hell, employee of Florida Disney World, Disneyland. They're just, you know, scum. And then they got, you know, trans guys at the Princess Castle of, you know, come in a guy dressed up in as Snow White or something. I mean, it's, oh, my God. So I don't, I don't know how this is. You know, this is going to be fascinating to watch. It's going to be interesting. Weeks, watch because as this movie makes more money, they won't be able to ignore it. As it at its top of the box office right now, it beat Indiana Jones. I mean, this is such a story on so many levels, and it's not just any movie. This is the movie everyone's going to be talking about. This is the movie everyone's going to be going to, and this is done by Angel. Who's Angel Studios? Now everyone's going to know about Angel. Who's the studio who took down Disney? I mean, this is incredible. So how are they going to spin this is, to me, the story to watch. And I'm saying this first on your show. We'll talk about this next. I know this is going to come up again. Well, you subscribe to Angel Studios and unsubscribe Disney, so there you go. No, there there (laughs) you go. And and just one last on that list of, you know, how many things might come out of this movie and and such is how is this going to play for people like Bill Gates? I mean, already he's on the chopping block, right, in many ways, public perception. You know, the media is trying to run interference for him. Melinda Gates, man, I mean, you know, she's, she, she broke up with him how quick. And she's like, you can tell she's chomping at the bit almost to talk about her anger, figuring all this out. And you know how much she, I mean, she must know a hell of a lot more than she's ever let on. And she knows the people he palled around with. She knows how many times he's like, honey, I want to hang out with my buddy Jeffrey. Is it okay? We just want to hang out and play. play we want to play PlayStation over on his island. You mind if I go hang out with the boys? You know, how many times does she hear that? And then she's finding out what the hell's going on. 
And now when she sees this movie, because when this movie, this movie is going to be in those movies that if you, you, it's sort of like, if you didn't see it, you're going to be in the, uh, you're not in the in crowd, so to speak. You're going to have to at least know what everyone's talking about. When she sees this movie and you see the power of this movie, and then she looks at picture of her friggin' hub- hubby, you know, and she see. I mean, I wonder if something like this will be enough to get people to finally start talking and start squealing on on who these people are, or maybe the list of names from Epstein or whoever. I'm just saying, I think this is going to have legs in many ways, and it's you can already feel that this 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 taboo topic has been. It's like on the brink, almost like the UFO issue. Not to get into that right now, but it's just it's a topic that's always been pushed aside, and it's because of the new media and the parallel economy and the destruction of you know, the established narrative and all the things we talked about, both these topics are about to go mainstream. And, and once the, once it begins to break, as you know, Ernie, once one courageous person stands up, it's easier for the next and then the next, and even you know you, and there's no slight to you, but you gave a good example of why you didn't take this one on. And now we're talking about it right now. Thanks to the bravery of those people who made this movie, but we have to keep this going, pay it forward, Talk about it. Share it with friends. I, I sound like a YouTuber here at this point. But this is worth it. And if you want to stick it to the man and expose this corruption that's been there for so long, this is a very safe but easy, powerful way to do it. Through simply and about we it. have the technology. You go to freedomsphoenix.com and you'll see, you may have to refresh a couple times for the banner ad to come up, Pirate Box. Piratebox.info is... For a couple hundred dollars, you get a um, half a terabyte uh, memory stick that is all pre-done. You just plug it into your computer. You have ICE access to IPFS network to post anything that hits the Internet, is noted, and doesn't go away. All you got to do is share that hash. You share that hash. It's not a server anywhere. It's a file that's on a bunch of servers. So that's why we did that is for exactly this kind of dissemination of information that won't go anywhere. Matter of fact, I got, you know, a gentleman I'm interviewing here in studios up here, Justin, a couple of years ago, um, we were working on this technology and I wanted it demonstrated for me after they'd done it. They came up, we were sitting around, a, a, well, I want a campfire. It was a furnace for melting aluminum, <laughs> but we're sitting there hanging out and uh, Justin comes in. He's out there. We're sitting outside just, you know, shooting the crap. And I go, well, you're done. And it's called uh, the project was Moonbeam that they had created. And they go, watch this. And they took their phone. They went, boom, took the picture, published it up. Now you could see it anywhere from any place forever and always can't be deleted. I go, I'll pay $1,000 for an NFT of that picture. So just to reward them for doing it. And they created that. I got the first picture of something that cannot be deleted. This was, I think, two summers ago. So I am like, you know, and we've been developing it since then to make it more grandma user friendly. And one of the products that came out of this is piratebox.info. And you see the banner ads on Freedom's Phoenix all over. You go get that. It gives you the capability to be able to take this movie, this kind of information, these documents and put them up so they can't be deleted and always accessible with that code. You know, it looks like a, a Bitcoin address that you can make a QR code out of it. So that's why we've been doing this as for exactly this kind of data access. So I'm going, you know, this is 
why we're doing this. And I just want you know people to understand the reason I've been focusing on this is because I know stories like this, many things like this. You know, death, dying, and destruction with nuclear war weapon of lion sacks and snot of these kinds of people that are doing all the nefarious things that they do, that this technology was required. And I got made fun of. You know, as much as, you know, a lot of the content uh, creators, they're going, oh, well, that's, you know, it's hard. I need a grandma just button. Of, I, you're not going to get the people. It's not popularized. It's not mainstream. It's like, yeah, whatever. When you need it to be able to not be censored, this is what we're creating. And now it's starting to explode for exactly this reason. So I am, here we go. And you're welcome. So we got to end it here. I got a show. It's one o'clock. I got a, um, uh, some others that I, I got. They're going to be coming in on the, the Zoom anyway. But Frank, another great show. Good conversation. Hopefully the audience, you know, they stuck with and got something out of it. But I tell you, it is, um, yeah, it's going to be, I said, I keep saying, you think censorship's bad now, you wait until war. And 24. 24. <laughs> you know, I, you know, it's going to be the war issue, and it's going to be the 2024 election cycle, and they have to get control, and they're losing it because of this kind of uh, documentation and the ability to make sure that it's always available. So and this I movie, this movie is an example of it. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Frank, Trump report, we kind of – Kind of mentioned his name a couple times, but you know, you know, that we'll, we'll get into more updated uh, politics next time if there's not freaking. Oh, God knows what the news will bring. I mean, you know, damn. Yeah. Hey, Ernie, it's always a pleasure. Have a great week, and we'll talk talk to you guys later. Thanks again, audience, for hanging. And bye bye. All right, peace. And I never knew, and I think to myself. What a wonderful world Yes, I think to myself What a wonderful you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com